You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 23 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in Simon's kitchen studio is Simon Walton. How are you, Simon? How are you? I'm okay, uh, Carlos. Good, good, it's, good. It's uh, been a busy week, hasn't it? It has been a busy week, yeah. A we, weekend. Uh, a weekend, yeah. Me and Simon uh, made the trek to uh, Biggin Hill Festival of Flight on uh, Saturday and uh, we had an awesome day at the air show there, didn't we, Simon? Yes, very good. As very always. good. And uh, Simon got to see his favourite uh, display team. Yeah, again, yes. And uh, being their 50th, um, this is the second time for me uh, this year. So um, it's uh, good um, to see them. Um, and we'll be uh, talking about that more in the show. Um, we'll talk a bit about the car parking at Biggin Hill, which was horrendous um, uh, on the way out, wasn't it? Yeah, the car parking was uh, pretty horrendous on uh, leaving Biggin Hill. Um, a shame because the the air show itself was uh, was fantastic. We had uh, you know a good day. The, the weather was a little bit of a letdown. We had a bit uh, bit of changeable weather. Yeah, a few but, showers. Uh, a few caught, showers. We got caught in a uh, downpour, cloudburst. We did get caught in a, in quite a good downburst of rain. Yeah, <laughs> a da- mad dash back to uh, well, the to ca- the mini to the uh, yeah yeah to headquarters to headquarters the, the mini countryman. Uh, um, but we got two good interviews, didn't we? Yes, we yeah, did. We got two really good interviews. Yes, the they'll be uh, included in this podcast. Um, so as we uh, as we record this episode, uh, it is five past four on the nineteenth of June. It's a Thursday, and uh, I've made the uh, the drive over to Simon for this week, and uh, it's good to be back over here, Simon, at uh, Walltorton headquarters. Yes, always uh, good to see you uh, as ever. Um, but uh, yes, I'm here, and uh, we've got plenty to talk about in this episode. Sure. We've also got uh, some uh, some of the uh, interviews we've done at Ducksville as well to play, along with uh, a couple of the um, podcasts, sort of uh, the, or the uh, inter- or the uh, the chats, I should say, that me and Simon had whilst we were watching the Red Arrows as well. We've got yes. the uh, audio from that, which yeah. is good. I don't know whether we uh, put the. Uh, Duxford uh, podcasts on one of the previous ones, did we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, they were in uh, one of the previous episodes. We had the Duxford uh, interviews on there, so we hope you all enjoyed those. Uh, they were really good. We thoroughly enjoyed those. Um, so we are going to kick off uh, episode twenty-three then with the news, as we always do. So if you're ready, Simon, yeah, let's go. Let's <coughs> go. Kicking off uh, this week's look at the aviation news from around the UK and world, uh, we've got uh, some news from uh, the East Anglian Daily Times website. This one's regarding Stansted Airport. And uh, Stansted Airport are seeing uh, reporting a 7.6 increase in passengers in May. Uh, Stansted Airport handled nearly 1.82 million passengers during May, a 7.6% increase compared with the same month last year. And the rolling annual total of travellers using the airport grew to 18.29 million for the year uh, to the end of May, a rise of 3.3% on the previous 12 months. 
In April, Stansard's rolling annual total broke through the 18 million mark for the first time since December 2011, reflecting a successful year of ownership uh, for Manchester Airports Group, during which new agreements were secured with a number of carriers, including Ryanair and EasyJet. April's total of 1.72 million was up 10.7% compared with the same month early, a year earlier, although this was partly down to the timing of the Easter, which fell in March 2013, but in April on this year. Andrew Harrison, Stansard's managing director, said the increased number of passengers using Stansard during May is very encouraging and, and continues to grow the trend. We've experienced at the airport over the last year and reflects the strong confidence of our airline partners as they add more key routes to increase frequency. The £80 million terminal transformation project continues to make good progress with the first phase of the retail development or redevelopment in the departure lounge uh, lounge, uh, soon to open. They're now entering the peak season, uh, the summer season, and uh, they expect to be even busier uh, over the next coming months as they welcome even more passengers taking advantage of Stansted's extensive route network. So an air- airport that I'm flying from on Sunday, Simon, Stansted. Yep. <coughs> yes. Uh, good news for them. Um, it's yep. a popular airport, close, yep. <coughs> close to home. Yes, um, it's always a nice little airport, that. It's um, easy to get to. Um, it may be out in the sticks a little bit, but... Um uh, I like this airport because um, it's cheap flights, um, easy park and easy access uh, just off the M11. So, And um, <clears throat> also, if you're at the Duxford Air Show ever, you can um, see the planes as we did uh, a few weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah, we certainly did, yeah, flying over uh, over the air- airfield there, as well at uh, Biggin Hill as well, didn't we? We saw yes. quite a lot of activity at the uh, show at Biggin Hill. <clears throat> yes, we did. Aircraft uh, holding. <clears throat> yeah, we'll uh, talk more about that later. So next piece of news, moving on then, uh, Ryanair news. Uh, This is something that uh, I saw uh, about a week ago now. This is a ground collision um, with a Ryanair 737-800. The airline Ryanair is seeking an explanation from an Italian ground handling company as to why one of its aircraft was left without chocks at Rome Campino's airport. It rolled into a building damaging its port stabiliser. The Boeing 737-800, registration Echo India, Delta Lima, India, was standing empty when the incident happened uh, last Wednesday, a day that ground handlers at Campino staged a strike. Ryanair said Monday that one of their aircraft had been left unchocked. It rolled backwards until it hit a small apron building used by the airport's fire service. A picture of the aircraft was taken after the accident that showed extensive damage to the starboard stabiliser and a Ryanair spokesman said that the damaged components had been replaced and the aircraft was expected to fly again in the next couple of days. So I, I saw the pictures of this one, so I don't know if you saw the pictures on, um, um, on the internet of this aircraft, but it was quite 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 substantial damage to the stabiliser. And um, as the report says, Ryanair want to know why the aircraft wasn't chocked <coughs> Um, but then, I've, I I do believe that aircraft do have parking brakes as well. So yes. uh, whether there was an issue there that the parking yeah, but brake they should the um, no matter what um, uh, they sh- should be uh, chalked up, and uh, that is the reason um, because if the brakes are left off, that they can be chalked up and uh, they won't uh, move. But luckily, no one was on board the aircraft. Yes, but so, could, this um, could have been. But it could have been a lot better. It could have been worse. Yeah, definitely a lot worse. But uh, I should imagine it's going to cost the. Um, insurance companies for the ground handling company mm. quite a bit there to um to get this aircraft yep. repaired 
So moving on, their next story uh, is from Travel Mole. Uh, another Ryanair story, and this is regarding Ryanair uh, wooing families with a new product. The Family Extra product, which uh, includes a range of discounts for parents travelling with children. And it includes half-price allocated seating for kids and a 50% reduction on children's baggage fees, discounted uh, priority boarding and half-price travel insurance for youngsters as well. The airline has also reduced its infant fees to £20 and parents will be given a free 5 kilo infant bag allowance. They'll also be able to take two pieces of baby equipment uh, on board the aircraft, such as buggies, car seats and travel cots. Um, and also they'll be able to go in the hold without a charge as well. There'll also be a bottle warming and a baby changing facilities on board the aircraft for the first time. And parents who book a seat uh, for the infant will be able to bring uh, an airline approved car seat on board too. For families who fly frequently with Ryanair, there's a new fly and save bonus, uh, which gets you 20% off every third family flight. The launch of the new family-friendly product follows uh, Ryanair's decision to introduce allocated seating earlier this year and to ensure parents aren't separated from their children. The airline has also relaxed its carry-on bag pa uh, policy to allow passengers to take a second small item of hand luggage on board, but this has been criticised as space restrictions in overhead luggage bins mean that they're in practice only the first 90 passengers to board the aircraft are guaranteed to stow their items above their seats. Ryanair has also been criticised for its changes to its online check-in window from two weeks to just seven days, so passengers travelling on a two-week holiday can't print out boarding passes for their return flight before they leave home. New boarding passes and Ryanair app will be introduced in July. Now, this is something I've uh, actually come across this week, Simon. Um, as you know, we're due to fly on Sunday. And uh, I've printed out um, our Outward Bound tickets, which I've done uh, this week. <coughs> yep. But if you try and print out your return tickets, you can't until seven days before you're due to fly home. In other words, if I try to book out, book my, uh, print out my return tickets now, it won't let me. So basically, the Ryanair have, have kind of put you in a position where you've got to either get up in the early hours of the morning before you fly out, if you're going on a week's holiday, just seven days, and print out your return tickets then, or you've got to print your tickets out before you fly home in your hotel. Now, is there an app you can, because uh, I know some airlines, you can uh, check in on, on your phone yeah, um, yeah, you can check in online with Ryanair, but uh, um, the, but the, you can also have the uh, uh, scan and uh, code um, actually on your phone, so you can actually do that. But I don't know whether Ryanair no, do that. No, Ryanair, um, Emirates do that, but Ryanair don't do that. So basically, um, I've got to get up early, a sort of quarter of an hour earlier than, than I need to on Sunday, and print out our return ticket boarding passes before we leave to fly on Sunday. Um, which I think is a is a silly idea. I think uh, they've done that. I don't know why Ryanair have done that. It's a bit annoying. Yeah, but looking at this, um, getting back to this, uh, what we're talking about, um, this uh, discount is uh, well worth. Uh, if you've got a family, this is a, a good, a pretty good deal. Um, get an extra luggage for your children, um, five kilo extra, and um, uh, half price flights and everything. So it's really good. You enjoy? Are you enjoying them? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, me and Simon are just munching on uh, some podcast snacks. Yeah, our podcast Simon's provided. Um, 
buffet snacks, yes, as always. <laughs> Carlos, um, I've had to return the uh, compliment, as you always um, near enough uh, sort me out with compliments for the um, <laughs> nibbles. But this for you, Simon's good, because you've obviously got the girls. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd also work out quite well if you want to bring some duty-freeze home. You could... Uh, load all the, all the kids luggage up with your uh, duty-free whiskey and wine <laughs> yeah but you can't you can't you can't bring a uh, glass or duty-free back from a home you can bring back from the airport when you fly home yeah but you can't fly with that can you oh no you can't fly out with it but when you know but home... you can't fly get your duty-free at the other end and bring them home on the aircraft because they're liquids yeah you can well, can you yes oh yeah definitely definitely yeah i yeah. know you can't yeah, we do it every year I, I know you can't in america mm. You can. Yeah, you definitely can. Not in America, you can't. Trust me, my, my drinks bar at home says yes. <laughs> not in America. Not in America. Okay, not in America. Not in America. Well, I, haven't, I haven't been there yet, Simon. No? <laughs> I need to get out more. No, oh, thanks. I'm off to Malta on Sunday, Simon. That's shock enough. me. No, shock you. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the next piece of uh, news, then, is some more Ryanair news. And this one is uh, from the... Uh, confirmation from the International Air Transport Association, IATA. And they're saying that uh, Ryanair remains uh, the world's most favourite airline. Uh, Statistics show that Ryanair once again carried more international passengers than any other airline. Um, And last year they carried 81.3 million passengers more than any other airline. Uh, And EasyJet... Uh, carried 52.7 million passengers, um, which is 30 million more than third place Lufthansa, which carried 50.7 million. Ryanair carried more international passengers than EasyJet, Iberia and SAS combined, and British (coughs) Airways. Air France, Italia combined as well. Lufthansa and Air Berlin combined, and over eight times more the passengers than the Irish carrier, Air Lingus. IATA has once again confirmed that Ryanair is the world's f- most favourite airline, carrying more international pas- uh, scheduled passengers than any other carrier. Even the combined traffic of EasyJet, Iberia and SAS is still less than Ryanair's total traffic, said Ryanair's Robin Keeley. Consumers choose Ryanair for the lower fares, great route choice and improving customer service. To celebrate being named the world's most favourite airline once again, they have released 100,000 seats for sale across the European network at prices starting from €19.99 for travel in July and August. These low fare seats are available for booking until midnight on Thursday the 12th of June, which is gone. gone. Yeah, That's an old bit of news. It's uh, an old, well, it's from last week, actually. It's come come out on the 10th, this one, so yeah, it's not... Yeah, um, um, I don't agree with that. Um, they're not the world's favourite airline <coughs> uh, to fly on, and um, call me biased, but uh, my favourite is Singapore Airlines, and uh, I think a lot of people all agree with me on this. Um, they're such a great airline, great food, great hospitality, uh, great comfort, and everything. So I enjoy. Um, I will say that Singapore Airlines are the one of the best airlines, and uh, that is um, a fact uh, because that is in the Witch magazine and um, on a lot of travel uh, websites. Okay, so moving on, next piece of news then uh, is from the BBC, and this one is regarding Emirates, and they've cancelled uh, their order for uh, 70 Airbus A350s. Uh, Dubai Emirates Airline has cancelled the order for 70 of Airbus's A350 widebody aircraft, the plane maker says. 
Airbus said the cancellation had followed ongoing discussions with the airline in light of their fleet requirements review. In 2007, Emirates placed 50 orders for the A350-900 and 20 for the A350-1000, with deliveries due to start from 2019. UK engine maker Rolls-Royce said the cancellation would lead to a £2.6 billion hit to its order book. While disappointed with the decision, we are confident that the delivery slots, which uh, start towards the end of this decade, uh, vacated by Emirates, will be taken up by other airlines, Rolls-Royce said. A spokesperson for Emirates said the airline was reviewing fleet requirements and Airbus said it was confident that new orders in the coming months would compensate for Emirates cancellations. There's no impact on the programme as deliveries were scheduled to start at the end of the decade, a spokesman said. In a statement, the company said that it was very confident that its XWB A350 program uh, had 742 firm orders and it expected the order book to continue growing in 2014. Interest in the game-changing A350 has always been very high with customers, it said, and Airbus added that Emirates had recently reiterated its confidence in Airbus products, especially praising the Airbus A380. The airline ordered an extra 50 A380 Super Jumbo jets at the last Dubai air show. However, investors uh, took the news of the cancelled A350s badly, with Airbus shares closing down more than 3% in Paris, and Rolls-Royce shares fell more than 5% in London. The A350 long-range jet is a competitor to Boeing's 777 and the 787 Dreamliner aircraft, and the design of the A350 was changed in 2006 after potential customers were not impressed by the original plans. Emirates announced it had ordered 150 of Boeing's 777X planes at the Dubai Air Show last year. So uh, good news then uh, for uh, Boeing, because uh, they might get uh, uh, <coughs> plenty more orders for the 777 from yeah. Emirates, but uh, Airbus have lost uh, lost that em- a big order from Emirates then, Simon. A, a huge airline Emirates are, as, yes. uh, as we all know. Uh, yeah, we the, were talking about this at Biggin Hill, and um, possibly... Um, perhaps they're getting some more A380s. I don't honestly know. So um, it must em- be Emirates have got some more in order. Definitely, yeah, they're they're increasing their A380 fleet all the time. Um, but that's just a shame. Uh, perhaps they don't like the configuration or, or something of that nature. Well, they just uh, just like the Boeing products. They have a lot of triple sevens in their fleet, Emirates. Yes, they do have a lot of those and the A380s. But um, <coughs> so next piece of news: the Travel Mole website again. Uh, United Airlines uh, overhauls its loyalty program. And uh, United Airlines has followed Delta in revamping its mileage plus loyalty program to reward passengers based on the cost of their ticket rather than the distance flown. The changes which come into effect in March 2015 will benefit frequent flyer elite members but will be less beneficial to buy cheap flights. Elite members will earn between 7 and 11 miles for every dollar spent, excluding taxes, with up to a maximum of 75,000 miles per ticket. Basic level mileage plus members will earn 5 miles per dollar. The changes will apply to most uh, United and United Express tickets, and also for fares United sells on its partner airlines. According to Thomas O'Toole, United Senior Vice President of Marketing, the loyalty, uh, the police uh, policy uh, change will more directly recognise the value of our members when they fly United. Aside from Delta, 
Virgin America, JetBlue, and Southwest have overhauled their programs in recent years to offer better rewards to attract higher-spending travellers. United said that for redeeming miles, for reward flights will remain the same, but uh, revealed that other mar- other ways uh, miles can be used. From next year, miles can be used to offset added fees for United Economy Plus seats with extra legroom and checked baggage. So, have you have you ever had one of those uh, mile sort of points cards things for airlines? Yes, I've uh, got quite a lot of those. I've got Virgin. Um uh atlantic card i've got united uh card uh, which i use frequently uh when i do fly um yeah so um this is a good bit of news um uh, but unfortunately only by economy or co- uh, economy plus so mm. um but that's a shame but um still in the loyal pro- program and i've got quite a lot of points uh, for a free free flight so um do you have any uh cards no no none no, at no. all no, one one of our friends has uh, recently used their Avios points uh, on a card for holiday <coughs> flights and holidays. I'm surprised you didn't use uh, get an Emirates card. All the um, points you could have had on that. <laughs> I, I should have done really, shouldn't I, Simon? You've yeah, just so, chucked away yeah, I've just loads. Chucked away loads of points there yeah, with the um, with the four, three, four, four flights I've had have had now over the last two years with Emirates. Yeah, that is. Um, I would imagine that's two free flights each. Oh dear. So some close-to-home news then, nice. Did you have, I don't know if you've seen this one, Simon. Uh, this one's on the BBC website um, for our local uh, news. And the Rigby Group has purchased Norwich Airport. Uh, technology, uh, technology Hotels and Aviation Company Rigby Group has brought Norwich International Airport. The firm which already owns and operates Coventry Exeter Airport has announced that uh, it has brought uh, the airport Norwich. Uh, from Omniport for an undisclosed sum. Formed in 1975, the Rigby Group is the parent company for a portfolio of privately owned businesses. Its chairman and chief executive is Sir Peter Rigby. Uh, The group comprises operating businesses in five key divisions, technology, aviation, property, hotels and investments. Sir Peter said, we have continually reiterated our belief in the importance of regional airports to local and regional communities and their economies. We are intent on developing our aviation business within the Rigby Group and have made other significant acquisitions here. I'm delighted to welcome Norwich uh, Airport staff to a workforce that now safeguards approximately 650 aviation jobs and look forward to working with them as we plot our secure and sustainable and positive future for the facility. Norwich Airport's uh, Chief Executive Andrew Bell said, uh, this is a significant and very positive day for the airport. As a highly respected and stable organisation, Rigby's group involvement will enable us to build on the many achievements of recent years, uh, safeguarding the future of businesses and providing us with a platform with which to build an even more prosperous future for Norwich Airport itself and the region. So did you know that one, Simon, that Norwich Airport had been sold? No, no. I haven't had the EDP in the last few days, So, um, uh, which is our local newspaper, for anybody who uh, wondered what that means. Um, but no, um, but hopefully, I've been to Exeter Airport a few times, and um, it's a nice little airport, so hopefully um, they'll take care of it and look after it as much as uh, the other airports they own. So, yeah, good. So next piece of news then uh, is EasyJet news. EasyJet plans uh, loyalty rewards as its latest pitch to business flyers. So uh, EasyJet is uh, examining the introduction of a loyalty program as the latest pitch in a charm offensive aimed at luring more business car clients to Europe's second biggest discount airline. Uh, 
Perks could include dedicated customer service phone lines for the uh, for the best customers while stopping short uh, of an air miles for flights offer. Anthony Drury, EasyJet's head of corporate markets, said an in, in an interview that uh, the airline's looking forward uh, at ways to offer loungers and access at London Gatwick, its biggest base. EasyJet will spend 20% of its marketing budget on campaigns aimed at uh, Europe's £20 billion business travel market in the year from October the 1st versus 10% previously. Introduction on flexible tickets, allocated seats, fast-track boarding and higher frequencies have already bolstered its credibility among corporate flyers, prompting low-cost leader Ryan Air Holdings to examine similar benefits. It's very easy to say you're going to be relevant business travellers, but if it's uh, very difficult to do so, Chief Executive uh, Officer Carolyn McCall said in a briefing at Gatwick. This is a very demanding customer base and you have to fulfil not just one of their requirements, but multiple requirements. EasyJet, based at London Luton, north of London, carried 12 million business passengers in the year through March, a gain of almost 50% in three years, aided by relationships with about 350 corporate clients, Drury said. So that's good news then, really, for for people who fly EasyJet frequently then, Simon, if they do bring in some sort of incentive program for... Uh, miles, you know, kind of an yeah. air miles type thing. Yeah, most airlines um, have a frequent flyer award uh, scheme, and uh, I think this is a way of enticing customers um, if you're offering the best deals uh, with the frequent flyer uh, program. So, yeah, it'd be all... good if Ryanair do one because we do, we use them a lot, Ryanair. So, yeah, well, you need to start saving. That's no good. If you <laughs> so, next, moving on, the next piece of news from the business traveler site. This one uh, is uh, regarding uh, Qatar. And uh, they've postponed again their inaugural uh, A380 service. Qatar has postponed its inaugural A380 route to London Heathrow by another month. The Gulf Carrier's Doha to London Heathrow service has been scheduled to launch on the June the 17th, but was last month postponed two weeks until July the 1st. Um, but the airline has again updated its plans and the Super Jumbo will now be deployed on the Heathrow route on August the 1st. Qatar Airways A380 service to Paris Charles de Gaulle has also been delayed and will now commence on August the 15th, uh, reports airlineroute.net. The carrier, which has 13 Super Jumbos on order, first revealed it would fly the A380 to London Heathrow when it debuted its first-class cabin at the IOTB Trade Fair in Berlin. Uh, it then released images of its forthcoming A380 800 first-class lounge and bathroom interiors. Qatar Airways will fit out its A380s in a three-class configuration uh, of first business and economy over two decks, and the first class A380 seat figures uh, features a 90-inch seat pitch, transforming it into a fully flat lie bed. Um, so, another delay then for that, yeah, for so that service. Yeah, and was probably uh, configuring uh, the aircraft um, as they're, we speak. They're fine-tuning. Yes, um, tweaking them to um, customer requirements and the business um, business requirements. So, yeah. So next piece of news then from the Business Traveller site. Uh, this one's about BA. And I uh, found this one earlier, Simon. These look, you've got to look at these pictures while I'm reading this, Simon. They're awesome. Uh, British Airways has unveiled the new cabin interior that will soon be installed across its short-haul fleet. Featuring a slimmer charcoal grey leather seating, the design will allow BA to add extra seats in its Euro Traveller economy cabin. For Business uh, Traveller reported last year, 
in December 2013. The slimline seats are manufactured by BE Aerospace. And BA has confirmed that the seat pitch in Club Europe, or business, will be reduced from 34 inches to 30, uh, the same legroom as in economy. Club Europe, uh, in the Club Europe seats, there's a centre table that can be fitted in seats B and E in the business class section, uh, which will make it into a kind of table where you can stand your drinks and, and bits and pieces. And the table also provides inlaid leather mats for drinks and snacks and for personal devices. Uh, BA is uh, due to begin <coughs> fitting out um, its first uh, 95 Airbus short-haul aircraft that will feature this new interior, and the fleet upgrade will take 12 months, the airline said. The redesign also features an eye-level seatback tablet holder and a four-way movable headrest. And BA Executive Chairman Keith Williams said the short-haul landscape has changed enormously in recent years. To stay competitive and keep offering customers choice and great fares and service, we are giving our cabins a radical makeover. There will be a new look, but the traditional BA comfort and elegance will always remain. What do you think of those seats, Simon? Yeah, they, uh, <coughs> excuse me, they uh, look fairly uh, nice. Um, I like the uh, always like the hand uh, stitch uh, leather seating. Um, they got the uh, logo embedded into the uh, headrest, and those headrests, I would imagine, are on Velcro um, for coming off the uh, actual seat, that top piece, looking at the pictures. Um, they look very uh, thin compared to normal uh, um, seating arrangements. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they, I, like the, uh, I like the table there in, in the centre center of that seat there. It looks quite nice, doesn't it, for uh, standing your drinks and stuff on. <coughs> yep. But what we'll do, we'll, uh, we'll uh, obviously, as you probably will know from the last episode, we do have uh, an extra page on our website now, the show notes page. Uh, we'll put uh, a link to that on uh, the uh, show notes page. You can go and have a look at these seats yourself because the, the leather does look really nice, quality leather seating yes, on there. Yes, it does, yeah. <clears throat> so moving on to our next story then, uh, this one's on the Travel Mole website. And uh, for those of you who remember many years ago, uh, there used to be um, an airline called Silverjet who used to fly uh, 767s uh, on uh, transatlantic flights. And they used to do just a premium service, a first-class service all the way across. Well, there's uh, Silverjet actually went out of business a few years back now. Uh, but there's a new airline uh, starting up. And uh, they are called La. How would you say that, Simon? La Compagnie. La Compagnie. La Compagnie. Yeah, I'm not not one for French. <clears throat> French wasn't my strong point at, uh, at school, unfortunately. Um, but the new airline, La Compagnie, will finally take to the skies next month with up to five weekly flights between Newark International and Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport. It will fly an adapted Boeing 757-200 in a single aisle configuration with 74 lie-flat beds. Uh, another Boeing jet is expected for delivery by the end of the year, and fares will start at around $1,600 and up to $4,600 for a seat with enhanced premium services. The carrier said it will offer the best in class in-flight amenities, including free in-flight Wi-Fi, and complimentary use of Samsung tablets, in-flight amenity kits, menus designed by French Michelin-starred chef Christophe Longry. And founder Peter Luthi said that uh, there is space in the market for a new carrier able to offer value for business travellers. 
Those who fly business class look for service at a reasonable, affordable price, especially after long-haul periods uh, of consideration in the aviation industry and the skyrocketing airfares that are offered, said Luthi. La Compagnie is not the first attempt for an all-new business airline brand to break into the lucrative transatlantic market. Uh, Previous uh, recent efforts include Silverjet, as we said, EOS Airlines, both of which only lasted a few years in operation, and both attributed their respective failures on the recession. So there we go, Simon. If you want to fly uh, transatlantic uh, first class, yep. uh, save up some money. Yep. Um, it seems that they, a lot of these airlines tend to use 757s yeah, uh, on uh, these cheap, cheap aircraft, business class. Cheap aircraft uh, to use as a start-up uh, business um, for um, an airline, so... Um, but mainly the 757s are now uh, just cargo aircraft, but there are one or two airlines still using them. Uh, mm, they're popular aircraft. For, popular aircraft. Uh, so next story then is uh, from the Travel Mall site again. Which airline is the cheapest in Europe? What do you reckon, Simon? What, what, have I'd a guess. I'd say EasyJet. EasyJet, do you? You say EasyJet. What, what do our listeners think? Who, who do you think is the... Uh, mm, I can't well, hear anyone. Can you hear anyone shouting? No, no. <laughs> So uh, there's been a um, a look into who is the cheapest airline. The, the research, which was done by which airline, found the cheapest airlines in the world were in Asia and Malaysia, um, with uh, the owned Firefly coming up with an average fare of thirty euros forty nine. But for European airlines, uh, the cheapest airline uh, for the average fare price uh, is Pegasus. Airlines, uh, with Ryanair coming in second place and Wizz Air in third. Um, but when you move to the average fare price, including 20 kilos of baggage, uh, Pegasus Airlines comes out again on top at the cheapest at €64.64. Euro 64. Um, but Air Litu- Litu- uh, Lituansia, would you yeah. call that? Yeah, uh, second. Uh, Vueling is third. German Wings is fourth. Wizz Air comes in at number five, and in sixth place is Ryanair, uh, with the average fare, uh, fare price, including 20 kilos of luggage, coming in at 100 euros and 67. So there we go, Simon. So now you know who's the cheapest airline to fly in Europe, <laughs> Pegasus Airlines. Yeah. I've seen those fly around uh, here quite a bit, actually, using the Flight Radar app. Yes, uh, yeah. Quite a, a popular yeah. airline around here. So next piece of news then is uh, regarding the fire. If you remember, cast our minds back to last year and the fire on a 787 Dreamliner, the Ethiopian 787 Dreamliner at uh, Heathrow Airport. Uh, The report has come back from uh, the UK Air Accident Investigations Branch and uh, they are reporting that faulty wiring in the plane's emergency locator transmitter was the... uh, cause of the blaze the blaze itself began in a battery unit made by honeywell international incorporated um, and uh, the battery wires were improperly installed and an inspection of the beacon's flame damage cased in uh, suggested that a short circuit had caused the uh, fire the incident has highlighted that better coordination is required between battery uh, manufacturers uh, and equipment manufacturers together and regulators to ensure the equipment level and aircraft level safety needs to be maintained. 
The report into the July 2013 fire on the Ethiopian Airlines Enterprise Dreamliner confirmed investigators' preliminary focus on the battery wiring uh, being the cause of the blaze that stirred fresh concern that the 787 had a serious electrical flaw. U.S. regulators that uh, oversee Chicago-based Boeing should develop standards for certifying lithium metal batteries in aviation, and the U.K.'s board said that batteries on Honeywell-made beacons are of the lithium metal type and have a different chemistry than lithium-ion models. So that's the cause of that uh, fire then. Not uh, not a Boeing <coughs> issue, but uh, Honeywell uh, uh, yes, issue. Yes, no, that, that aircraft, is that still at Heathrow under the uh, canopy? I don't, not one hundred percent sure, Simon. I, I, I did try and look that one up because uh, um, I saw I a recent picture. Of it. It's still there. It's because um, it's tail uh, uh, part of the aircraft, and well, most of the uh, most of the aircraft is under um, sort of the uh, tarpaulin, yeah, tarpaulin, uh, plastic tarpaulin yeah. sheet. But I think yeah. uh, they because it was taking quite a while for them to figure out how they were going to repair the the composite uh, constraint, yeah. the actual structure of the aircraft. Yeah. Okay, so another piece of news then from Travel Mall. Um, Cyprus Airways are pulling out of Heathrow Airport. Uh, Cyprus Airways is to cease operating from Heathrow and will shift its London flights to Stansted from September this year after selling its last remaining pair for, uh, of tickets uh, for takeoff and landing slots to the Premier Hub to American Airlines for 22 million uh, euros. The slots were used by flight CY346 and CY347 operating between London and Larnaca, but the airline said that the sale would make the loss-making route more viable. It's understood that uh, in the uh, it's understood that the last Heathrow to Larnaca flight will leave on September the 13th, <coughs> after which the flight will operate from Stansted. Passengers who have booked seats on flights to Larnaca later than September the 13th will have been told by email and will now be flying from Stansted. They've been told a free coach transfer will be laid on, but details have not yet been confirmed. A spokeswoman for Stansted Airport said that she was not aware of the move, but the airline's chairman, Tony Antinou, said the Cyprus Mail yesterday that the sale of the Heathrow slots had been finalised. He said that it was part of the airline's restructuring plan and denied the management was stripping the airline of its assets and lucrative routes, insisting instead that selling the slots would rescue the company. It's reported, uh, first, it, it reportedly first sold one of its Heathrow slots three years ago for €22 uh, million Euros, and a second more recently for €6.5 million. Euros. A Heathrow spokeswoman said that Cyprus Airlines operated primarily short-haul uh, leisure routes which are well served by point-to-point airports such as Stansted and we wish them the best of luck in their new home. Their slots will now go to long-haul carriers MEA and American with routes that will be supported by the transfer traffic only a hub air co- airport can provide. So Cypress Airways no more than at uh, Heathrow, Simon? Well, airlines will um, only use their airport if they're making a lot of money and there's so many airlines that are going into... Um Heathrow and there's so much competition. A lot of these smaller airlines don't just don't stand a chance whatsoever. Or B or BA fly to uh, Larnaca from Heathrow. No, no. And EasyJet fly there as well. Yeah, so, so much competition. There is a lot of competition. So next uh, piece of news then um, is the about the A350 again, and they've completed their hot weather testing of the A350 900 series. They've had uh, several days of flights at Al Ain in the United Arab Emirates. 
and the Rolls-Royce Trent XWB powered airframe, uh, airframe MSN3 had headed out to El Ain late on the 11th of June and subsequently carried out a number of test flights over the Persian Gulf. Airbus say the operation focused on engine behaviour and performance in high temperatures and checks on systems such as the cooling equipment. And the test included heat soak in the which the A350 was parked in the sun for several hours. Meteorological data for El Ain shows temperatures reached 48 degrees Celsius while MSN3 was positioned at the airport. Middle Eastern carrier Qatar is the launch customer for the type, which also has orders in the region from Etihad, Kuwaiti Airways and Yemenia. Airbus is intending to secure certification for the A350 in the third quarter, and the test fleet has accumulated more than 2,000 hours in over 460 flights, with the final aircraft MSN5 yet to fly. So that's not long then, Son, before uh, this aircraft is um, out in the circuit. Yes. Are we going to see one of these? Um, I believe Qatar got one of these that going to be um, – is it this one that's going to be uh – I Farnborough. think so. We've got we have got some news coming up about uh, the aircraft at Farnborough, but I'll leave that one for you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got two more bits of news. And uh, this next one is from Flight Global, and uh, Malaysia Airlines uh, has retired its last Boeing seven three seven four hundred, ending a twenty two year run for the variant in the airline's fleet. The type's final flight was service MH1165, which flew from Penang to Kuala Lumpur Lumpur International Airport on the evening of the 14th of June. Since entering service with uh, Malaysian Airlines in 1992, the 737-400s have been used on domestic and some regional services. At one time, the airline had 54 of the type in service. Malaysian also uh, previously operated the shorter 500 variant and before that won the 200 series. The 400s have been replaced by 56 of the newer 800 variant aircraft and Malaysian also has a further 14 on order but has not yet indicated if plans if it plans to order the upgraded 737 Max or the rival Airbus A320 Neo as future replacements. Flight Global's Ascend Online Fleets database shows that uh, Malaysian has a fleet of 109 aircraft, including uh, 777-200ERs, 747-400s, A380s and A330s. Quite an old aircraft, that one, Simon. I've, yes. I've, I remember flying on the, on the 400 series <coughs> 737 many yeah, years ago. Yeah, I've uh, um, been on them as well. Uh, British Midland had uh, had a lot of those, didn't they? The mm-hmm. 400 series yep. uh, with the CFM engines on. And the uh, they had the... Uh, all the glass display up front, the the, uh, the the glass display cockpits as well. Yep. So last piece of news then uh, from uh, the Get West London site. Uh, a bit of happy news here for all you uh, youngsters and up uh, budding uh, youngsters who want to uh, take up flying as a flying aircraft or flying me and Simon around the world, isn't it, as a job. British Airways is looking for future aviators to apply for its work experience program, which is offering more places than ever before. This year, 300 youngsters from local schools and colleges will get the chance to join the airline for five-day placements. More than 900 students have taken part since 2009, and applications are being accepted for placements between October and December 2014 from students at schools within a 20-mile radius of Heathrow or Gatwick Airport. 
Students at school or college in year 10 and above will be given an introduction into the world of work and give them more information about careers in aviation. It's all just, just, uh, also designed to help uh, prepare students for future employment, including experience interviews and the importance of presentation skills. Students will spend time with different departments across BA Airways, including customer services, engineering and IT. Mary Barry, Community Investment Manager at BA, said our work experience program is an extremely important part of the work we do in the local community, and we're delighted to be able to offer more places than ever before. Not only do we give them a taste of work to work, but we hope to inspire students to pursue a career in aviation. Candidates who wish to apply should send their CV along with a covering letter to work.experience at ba.com. The airline also offers aviation-themed educational activities for local schools, colleges and community groups at its local community learning centre. So that's awesome, Simon. Yes. Brilliant for uh, for you know for for for, for children still at school. Yes, um, this I'll tie this in with the uh, program that uh, British Airways have been running on BBC Two uh, because they've been doing um, sort of training, uh, which we've both been watching, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Um, have you seen the latest episode? I haven't. I've still got to watch that one. Yeah, is, was that the second or the third one? Because uh, there was only three, wasn't there? It was, they had the cabin crew training, didn't they? Yes. And it was the pilot training on the second one, I think. Yes, so we've got one more mm. after this, yeah. Um, so all you um, airline uh, enthusiasts, um, stay tuned to BBC Two. I can't remember, what day is it? Monday, I think. Monday, yeah, nine o'clock, mm. yeah. But uh, it's been a good series, as I've enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that was tied in with the, uh, they um, were asked to do that, because that was tied in with the, Heathrow um, live, before. yeah, which they done last year. Didn't yeah. They? yeah, and uh, yeah. that'd be nice to have another airport live. I think Gatwick or something else. Would be. Norwich live. <laughs> yes, let's have it. Perhaps, perhaps we should um, record our own program, um, we... Plane Talking UK live. Well, we could do that, I suppose, <laughs> if we'd done that um, via the Aviation Museum. I'm sure they'd be happy with us out there. We've got some lovely benches, and we could, we're could we right near the control tower, so that is a possibility. Yeah, we you could laugh, try that. We but could that's try a possibility. We could try that. We've, we've got the means to now, haven't we, Seth? Yes. Definitely, Simon. Okay, so we're going to bring the news segment of the show then to a close, and uh, we're going to come back to you after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we <laughs> Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. 
So with his uh, military aviation news and air show news, and with a cat on his lap, I'm going to hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much, uh, Carlos. <laughs> I've got my cat on here, socks. <laughs> <laughs> we've he, got we've got live animals on the show now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he doesn't want to move. He lo- he loves aircraft as well. He loves look, uh, watching the aircraft in the sky. And you must probably hear his bell. I'm going to move him. Uh, come on, socks. Come on. Right. <laughs> right. We, we've me. got everything on this show, I tell you. Kids, uh, cats, um, aircraft. Yeah, so the, as I was saying, the first bit of news um, is uh, the A400M delivery rate poised to take off. Uh, deliveries of the A400M will take off at pace from later this month, with Airbus expected to deliver another 10 of the type to France, Germany, Turkey and the UK by the end of the year. Three production aircraft have been delivered so far, two to France and one to Turkey, with only one later having been transferred in 2014. The new French example, MSN10, uh, is now in its final acceptance process in Seville, Spain, closely followed by the nation's next two examples, the second Turkish aircraft, MSN13, should be accepted for July and or August. So um, I've actually seen this aircraft, and it's such a great aircraft um, uh, to fly. Um, the, in the UK, the Royal Air Force uh, will receive four of the eventual 22 airlifters this year, with Germany also to get its first example in November. So I love this aircraft. Um, this is sort of a globemaster, as we said before, with uh, props. That is, yeah, it? yeah. You'll, um, I think this will be. At, I'm pretty sure that'll probably be at Farnborough. Yes. Um, in July when we go, so you'll be able to see this one close up. It was there in 2012. So. Yeah. And uh, this flew with the Red Arrows uh, in 2013. Um, it's uh, such a, a great sight. Um, now uh, we've got a problem here um, as we uh, go um, to broadcast this. I picked this up only a few days ago. Um, the F-35 has now been grounded, so the chances of this aircraft being seen at Riyadh, because um, they were supposed to be bringing two or three examples over, and one, uh, obviously, UK first UK version, um, look very slim now um, due to this um, oil leak um, fault. The onboard fault detection system alerted the pilot in the US Marine Corps, the F-35B, of fuel loss, prompting the pilot to return to the base in Yuma, Arizona, safely. The pilot shut down the engine on the ground, according to a statement by the F-35 Joint Program Office. So this is um, very sad news. If we cannot um, uh, have this um, rear or Farnborough, um, because it was so disappointing, um, but obviously it's an ongoing thing, and uh, we'll keep you updated on the uh, uh, podcasts. Um, in the coming weeks as uh, we approach uh, Farnborough and Riyadh um, air shows where it's got to make its debut. Um, so I'm a little bit disappointed when I read this the other day. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think the, 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 I think the aircraft will still be at, at Riyadh. I definitely think well, they'll, they'll, they'll have got this sorted out by then. <coughs> I think this is just uh, a, a problem that they've obviously picked up on. They've discovered this this leak, uh, oil leak, Um uh, it, it does say on the uh, on the, they actually have they have definitely 100 percent found what the fault is. Yes, um, with uh, uh, an actual uh, bearing and some oil seal valve seals. Yes, but there was um, uh, there is has been a few posts uh, regarding uh, its uh, appearance at uh, Riyadh, um, saying that it would no longer be there. But um, obviously, on the uh, Riyadh's own website, um, there's been nothing. So. 
we'll keep you posted on this and keep you updated um, uh, if we get any more information as we approach um, the uh, Riyadh Air Show and Farnborough as well. Next piece of news is um, France retires its last Mirage F1. Uh, the French uh, Air Force has retired its last squadron of Dassault uh, Mirage F1s from operational use, with the type due to make its final appearance during the Basel Day celebrations next month. Uh, Mutta Masan-based reconnaissance unit 233 Savu uh, staged a farewell event on 13th of June with four of its 14 aircraft appearing with its retrospective colour schemes of the special tail markings. The squadron's 11 uh, single-seat Mirage F1CRSs and uh, three two-seat F1Bs uh, transferred to the uh, Shondon um, for storage and eventual disposal with uh, six to be maintained for long enough to allow four um, to participate in a, a busy day flypast over Paris. So... Um, Francis order, uh, operated the Mirage F1 for 40 years prior to its retirement uh, in this event. So uh, that's a shame uh, because I've actually seen them uh, um, react um, and uh, also years ago at the um, Mildenhall uh, Air Fate. And it's a lovely, noisy aircraft. And it'll be a shame uh, to see this aircraft uh, go. Yeah, the uh, Mirage um, <coughs> F1 first flew uh, in December. 1966 and was introduced into service in 1973 <coughs> so three years before i was born yes yeah <laughs> show my age now <coughs> yep um primary users being the french air force the iraqi air force uh Hilanio air force spanish air force and the royal moroccan air force and there's been 720 of those aircraft built uh, and they're classed as a fighter attack aircraft those ones but uh, I don't know what the French are replacing those with. But, mm. uh, I'm sure we'll probably know in uh, on future future episodes. The, the next piece of news is uh, Airbus helicopters uh, hand over the first EC seven two five fully assembled in Brazil. Brazil Navy has uh, received the first Airbus uh, helicopter EC seven two five to be completely assembled in the country. In a country, a major milestone as the manufacturer looks to raise domestic content of the programme. The nation has previously received 11 aircraft from its tri-service order of 50 helicopters with the early examples supplied from the airframers uh, Marinane France facility or partially assembled by the Helibras um, facility, its Brazilian subsidy. So that's um, a bit of uh, news uh, there, which is uh, good. Yeah, good for uh, Airbus. They're uh, getting still getting helicopters and stuff on the on the go there. Yes, the EC seven two five is classed as a long range technical uh, tactical transport helicopter, and it was developed from an, a helicopter you probably heard of, the Super Puma. Yes, yep. Um, we'll set you back uh, forty five million US dollars. Yeah, one of and those. The Super Puma um, is uh, used offshore uh, around the UK and um, also by the uh, Royal Air Force. So yeah. Right um, now, this piece of news I chose for you, Simon. This is this is especially for you, chosen by me before yes. I came over today. Yes, and uh, I, I did read about it and uh, saw the guys uh, on Facebook uh, yesterday. Um, Come on in, Simon. This actually uh, ties in with it because um, they've already uh, got a thing at the Science Museum set up, and uh, you can actually sit and uh, the virtual uh, red arrows thing. 
And uh, what it is, is the RAF Red Arrows to launch a 3D cockpit film at the Science Museum. Um, like I said, they already had uh, one uh, going. Members of the Royal um, Air Force Aerobatic Team, the Red Arrows, were visiting the Science Museum on Monday the 16th of June to launch a new 50th display season, 3D, three-motion simulation experience. A trailer for the new film, um, which uh, can be found, is on uh, YouTube. Um, so just type in Science Museum and uh, you will actually find it on there. The 3D films being launched in July will allow visitors to experience the thrill of flying with the Red Arrows during the team's aerobatic display. Filmed in Cyprus earlier this year, viewed from the cockpit of the Red Arrows, jets will, with a commentary from squadron leader Mike Ling, who's uh, Red 10, the audience will get a full insight into what it's like to be in the iconic team. Uh, now, I've actually sat through the uh, experience on this already, um, Carlos, and uh, it's fabulous. It's well worth um, uh, seeing, and I know the next time I go to London, I'm going to be going there, and I want to be there sometime uh, this year because um, it's their 50th uh, anniversary, and uh, more poignant to be there um uh, to go and have a look, look and uh, see what it's all about because the seats there are lovely and uh, also the Red Arrows were actually um, yesterday I do believe they were um, promoting it at uh, one of the uh, train stations um, in London so um, it would be good and uh, I think it's uh, so nice for them uh, to do this um, uh, just uh, for everybody on their 50th birthday uh, you know just 50 seasons of um, the, the display team is just over uh, overwhelming, really, because um, it's so, such a long um, uh, time to be flying um, in a season, isn't it? Mm. And don't forget as well that, uh, as you said a minute ago, you can go on YouTube and see the trailer. Yes, you can actually yes. watch the trailer yes. for the uh, for the for the film, the three yes. D film. So yeah, so you'll have your three D glasses. Um, Red Arrow's three uh, D launches, as we said, in July, and suitable for ages. Uh, four plus children under the age of eight need to be accompanied by an adult. We better Char- bring our mums and dads in. Yes, so charges apply. <laughs> For booking information, uh, obviously, uh, you need to go on to the uh, visit the Science Museum um, uh, and uh, key in the re- uh, red arrows. So um, if you'd like to see that, um, but it's 50 years of excellence. Um, it's just uh, can't wait to go and see this. Squadron leader uh, Jim Turner, team leader Red Arrows and Red One said, this is amazing 3D footage at the Science Museum will allow people of all ages to get a feel for what it's like for us, um, from us, and we fly with the team. It's close formation and the precision required in aerobatics. So it, 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 it's just speechless like it was the other day when the Red Arrows uh, were where we were waiting for them to arrive it was yeah, so if, exciting if if uh, if, um, if if I'd have had a, a video camera it would have been good to to film uh, Simon at the air show because he was um, he was rather excitable yes. at, at, <coughs> um, at the at the view of the Red Arrows lined up especially when they flew in Yes, um, it, it was uh, it was hard to hard to drag Simon away. From, yes, and uh, from hard to get else. the words out because uh, <laughs> we were both uh, rather excited. We had the scanners on. We were just waiting for them to appear from um, the Queen's flight, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we saw the saw the red arrows fly in and uh, land, and uh, it was it was an awesome sight when it arrived. Oh, it was. Especially with the, with the new uh, logos on the tails. Yes, yes. Um, um, we've got some pictures which I've put up on Facebook and everything. Um, Baltic uh, air policing, uh, RF t- uh, typhoons, 
yesterday, Tuesday the 17th of June, scrambled to intercept multiple Russian aircraft as part of NATO's ongoing mission to police the Baltic airspace. A Typhoon aircraft from three fighter squadron were launched after four separate groups of the aircraft were detected by NATO air defences in international airspace near the Baltic states. Once airborne, the British jets um, identified the aircraft as a Russian Tupolev Tu-22 backfire bomber, four Sukhoi Su-27 flanker fighters and one VA-50 mainstay, early warning aircraft and an Antonov An-26 curl transport aircraft who appeared to be carrying a variety of routine training. The Russian aircraft were monitored by the RF typhoons and escorted on their way. So... Another uh, yet another instance of uh, yeah. the Russians uh, just giving us a little uh, uh, wave. I think <laughs> yes, as always, you know what they're like. Um, the Russians, um, they just uh, like um, playing cat and mouse. Uh, even in this country, don't they? Yeah. Uh, um, there's actually there's actually been some really awesome pictures put on uh, on the website of uh, of uh, which our pilots took of uh, the Russian jets uh, whilst they were yeah, trying and, them. Uh, it's a prop aircraft there as well, but. Um, it's becoming a, quite a regular thing now, and uh, I think uh, the uh, UK are getting quite fed up with it because I know I am. Well, it's quite, I think it's quite good to see these old Russian uh, bombers and stuff because they are—they are—they are. They are, they are <coughs> excuse me, they've got all that um, area uh, to fly over in Russia, and why have they got to come over to the North Sea in our airspace and start? Playing cat and mouse—that is what really annoys it, me. It almost reminds me of that scene in Top Gun, you know, where um, they, the the you know, the American guys, they sort of fly and they intercept the—I um, forget what tell who they were now—they intercept them and they they flip them the bird and all that uh, all that malarkey yeah. as they're flying, take the pictures and stuff out of the um, out of the uh, cockpits and stuff. Yes. But uh, there are some really good pictures. We'll, we'll put uh, a link in our show notes um, so you can have a look at these because there are some quite good pictures on here which have been taken um, by uh, by the RAF of these aircraft and flight um, in the airspace there. Yeah. So, Simon, you've got some news uh, regarding an incident which happened last uh, night about an aircraft uh, from an airfield close to us. Yes, um, and this is uh, one uh, uh a small airport I've been to many a times, and Carlos as well. Um, it's regarding uh, seething. Uh, two people uh, from Norfolk had a miraculous escape uh, following a plane crash in Guernsey in the Channel Islands. A pair in a light aircraft walked away uninjured, but were taken to hospital as a precaution uh, following the crash at around 5pm yesterday. It came down the field after develop- developing problems shortly after takeoff from Guernsey Airport. Several homes nearby were evacuated while searches were carried out and the ground emergency services confirmed no one else was injured. Emergency services were planned to unload the fuel about 200 litres from the plane registered in Norfolk. The airport was closed while fire crews responded to the emergency. It's believed that the plane registered at Seething Airfield smashed into a greenhouse and spilled uh, debris into the nearby gardens. Um, Now... This is so seething uh, for those of you listening. Seething is probably it's, four miles from where I live. Yeah, um, and it's in between. Um, it's near Loddon, and it's um, it's sort of in between Beckles and Norwich. Um, it's out in the uh, country, um, but it's a nice little uh, air uh, airfield, and uh, uh, we're just glad that the uh, local um, people are. Uh, 
perfectly okay. And uh, I picked this up from a friend. Uh, he posted it on Facebook last night. So I thought I'd uh, fit this into our um, podcast today. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, we're glad that everybody's okay. And uh, the emergency service has done a um, great job. And uh, um, aircraft can be replaced, but people can't. So it's... Um, it's a good... Uh, we always like safe, safe uh, outcomes, don't we, Simon? Mm-hmm. Always the best. Yep, yep. So what other news you got for us then, Simon? Um, well, we've got, um, I've got some other bits of news um, which we can talk about. Um, I haven't got them actually up on the uh, uh, website. Now, should we go back to Biggin Hill and uh, talk about that for a little while? We can do. Yeah, yeah we've got that was a fabulous do. day out, wasn't it? Yes, so uh, Biggin Hill then, we went to, on Saturday, to the Festival of Flight, and the first one they've had since 2010, so four years ago, and uh, we got there nice and early, didn't we, Simon? Yes. Very early. Me and Simon were... <laughs> one of the first few. One of the first few there. We had to wait um, outside, um, but uh, we, we were... Like, we like to come prepared. But we were monitoring uh, the aircraft as uh, they were approaching uh, before the gates opened, um, but, um, so we got there to a uh, an o- overcast, um, um, breezy, light, light showers. breezy day with light showers. Yeah, and then we, um, as we said, we had uh, one uh, heavy downpour um, as um, the sort of start of the air show um, because the uh, Big and Hill Air Show that was split into three segments because that is um, a public um, airport. Um, I say public. There's a lot of uh, private um, jets. And uh, business jets uh, commute out of there um, to all over the uh, world. Mm. And so uh, they want to keep that running as long as possible. That is why they split up into three segments yeah. uh, during the afternoon to get those. Um, fl- it, it was quite, it's quite nice, though, to see the uh, j- uh, jet stream, you know, the Gulf Streams and the yeah. uh, Lear jets flying yeah, in there was, as we were. It was uh, fascinating. They got a lovely uh, new hangar there. Um, yeah, very nice. And uh, they'd even put a few uh, aircraft out there, which we took some pictures of. Um, uh, all lined up uh, right um, sort of behind the Red Arrows uh, where they were actually parked up on the taxiway. So that was a really interesting uh, day. Um, I don't know what the highlight uh, was. I think it's going to have to be the Red Arrows flying. Uh, <laughs> I flying thought you with, might say that. Well, it, it was um, um, quite um, emotional uh, when the Red Arrows were flying with um, Ray Hanna. Ah, it was a Spitfire. Uh, uh, Spitfire. Yeah, they'd done uh, towards, mm. or towards the end of the show, weren't it? They'd yes. done... Um, a kind of one, one little one-off, but well, a, it a, is a first, a first time, yes, display uh, where the uh, the Red Arrows came in uh, in the V formation uh, with the Spitfire tucked in in the centre. Didn't they? Yes, yes. Now um, a lot of people uh, uh, may ask uh, why they done this formation. Well, um, I don't know if uh, most probably all our regular listeners uh, will know that Ray Hanna. Um, he was actually one of the founders um, of the uh, Red Arrows um, and uh, crew. And he has, uh, we have uh, posted one or two pictures of him in the past up on Facebook. And he used to fly the Fallen Nat, and he was uh, one of the squadron leaders uh, for the Red Arrows uh, when they had the uh, Fallen Nat um, and the Red Arrows. So it was quite emotional because that was one of their first uh, public displays at uh, Biggin Hill many years ago. And um, what better way to do it than um, fly his spit, his own registered marked Spitfire um, in formation with the Red Arrows at one of the first public displays that they done at Biggin Hill 50 years on. I think that is quite memorable and uh, quite an occasion, don't you? It's definitely one to see. I, 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 we took some pictures of that, which we um, 
We posted on our Facebook site. Yes. So those of you who, who uh, follow us on Facebook would have seen uh, the pictures we took, or some of the pictures we took uh, at the show, and I also put those pictures of that um, formation with the Spitfire with the the uh, red arrows as well. Yeah. So I've uh, I've uh, actually met uh, Ray Hanna a few years back before he actually passed away. Um, uh, what was I think he was uh, tragically uh, killed um, in one of the uh, aircraft along with his son. But yeah. Um, I have actually met him um, at Duxford and um, he's a lovely uh, gentleman and uh, he'll be sadly missed. Um, but it was quite quite emotional uh, seeing that, uh, waiting him come back for a, a formation like that. Really enjoyed it and uh, just made it that more special and more interesting. So, But they had some uh, other good display aircraft there, the Tucano, uh, Shorts Tucano display. Yeah, that was good. Uh, aircraft was uh, there. Uh, yep. And, and we, got a, we got an awesome interview with Dave Kirby, the yes, lieutenant. We did, the, and uh, he explained to us about the um, uh, poppies uh, on the uh, aircraft. and uh, we've, def- we've got that interview coming up as well. We're going to play that interview yes. to you in a bit. So you've got all the poppies on the uh, main uh, body of the aircraft uh, streaming back from the prop of the engine. And then uh, Poppy on the underside, uh, which is uh, quite nice. But they've kept it in the main colours because they didn't want too much of a paint scheme because they've had a full paint scheme the last few years. So they just wanted to keep mainly with the black. But it's, it's uh, set off really well. And if you look at the pictures, uh, there's some really uh, lovely uh, uh, pictures uh, there of it. And uh, uh, it was really nice to see. And also we got the another... Blades. Uh, we had the blades. Yes, we? Uh, we had the... The blades there, and the, um, they were really good. Um, they parked right in front of us. As we yeah, they did. They were and, brilliant. brilliant. Uh, and we had the <clears throat> Breitling Wing Walkers. Yes, we did. Uh, uh, we had the, the DC-3 Dakota. Yeah. Um, we had the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight. We had we were quite uh, spoiled there because we had the Hurricane, Lancaster, Spitfire, um, and the Dakota all there. And obviously the Lancaster took off from Biggin Hill, ready for the Queen's Flight, um, which I'll talk about shortly. Um so that was really good. What other aircraft did we have? We had um, we had uh, Sally B B seventeen, yes. the Boeing B seventeen. That's Fortress. right. And we had the uh, Sukhoi um, Red Bull Outdoors. Um, they were they were really good. Um, always enjoy watching them. We also had on static display the Gazelle, the, yes, the, the Gazelle display team aircraft, which yes. uh, the helicopters which didn't fly in the day. Yeah, but well, we it, did get an interview um, uh, with Sam Jones, the yes. PR of the uh, of the yes. display team. Yes, one of the aircraft is in the old uh, Sharks livery, um, but they do still, uh, I think the lady said, I've got to keep quiet about that, but I'm sorry if I've said about that. Um, yeah, they got the uh, Gazelle aircraft in the Sharks colours, um, and I used to love that display team, watched that at uh, Mildenhall many years, along with the uh, Grasshoppers um, from the Netherlands uh, many years ago in their old uh, fashion helicopters. And I had the Black Cat display team as well yes. with the Lynx, the Royal Navy Lynx. Yes, and I can now confirm, it has been uh, officially uh, released, um, this is, uh, remember where you heard it first, that the uh, Black Cats have gone back to two aircraft or two helicopters. So I'm uh, very pleased about that because they disbanded one um, because it was an old out-of-date um, uh, links that they were using and they were waiting for an upgrade. But uh, I can now confirm that they have back up to two uh, uh, helicopters, which is, makes that uh, display so so more interesting um, using two helicopters. So I am really pleased about that. I'm just trying to think what else we had. Um, we had a lot of uh, civil jets flying in and out. We saw... Uh, yeah, yeah. Quick glimpse of the A380 through the clouds. Through the clouds. <laughs> Flying through the clouds above um, us. Also had the um, Airbus A319, which is the Olympic um, uh, livery on that. And that's the completely... That flew overhead, yeah. 
uh, yeah, Co- this covered is, by cloud. But, yeah. yeah, this um, the white version, and it's uh, covered in uh, gold feathers. Um, so that is um, a nice um, aircraft. I'm just trying to think what else uh, was uh, there. We had there's numerous aircraft. Um, I should have looked at my program, um, but on the whole, it was a good day. It was a good day. It was uh, uh, quite uh, the the air show itself was very well organised. Yes. Um, the only uh, the only slight. Um, uh, um, issue we had was on 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 exiting the air show. Yes, the day. one hour forty five minutes to leave Biggin Hill. Yes, you uh, heard it right. One hour and forty five minutes to exit the air show. <laughs> I think we nearly got home quicker. And once we got out of the uh, place, we nearly got home quicker, didn't we? Yeah, that was uh, it. Was quite quite um, quite a, uh, an entertaining end to the day. I think it was. Yeah, yes. But um, on the whole... Uh, but no, we enjoyed ourselves. Yes. Thoroughly. Yeah. So, shall we play uh, our first... Um, I've got a few other bits of news. Um, You've got, got, you got some more bits to come on, have you? Yes. Um, we'll talk about the uh, B2s and B52s the last few weeks, because um, I think tensions are mounting in Iraq, so we're possibly likely to see uh, more um, uh, going on uh, in the next few weeks or coming months. Uh, so we'll just keep an eye on that because um, there's been two B-52s uh, um, over here and they've been, uh, they have actually been uh, based uh, at Biggin Hill and Bryce Norton and uh, two B-2s, which has been uh, quite nice. And there are some pictures um, flying around. I think I've put a few on our um, uh, website. Uh, Facebook page um, of them actually refueling the B-52s uh, um, in the skies over the UK. And they have been over the North Sea as well. So um, it's quite interesting uh, to see um, these aircraft. And there's some stunning uh, photos of them, the approaches. And uh, if you go on YouTube or look on my website, Facebook page or Carlos's, you will actually see um, some great photos of the B-2 uh, coming in and land. And it's nice to see that two of them parked up. Um at uh, uh, the uh, where the air, air tattoo is in Fairford, so it's uh, been really interesting uh, seeing them uh, on their operations over here, and uh, I think uh, we may see a few more of them um, uh, over here very very soon. So um, onto the Queen's flight, um, we had—I don't think we had so many aircraft flying on the Queen's flight this uh, year as normal because we were missing the TriStar, the VC10s. Um, but we did have a good selection. We had four helicopters, um, which were flying and, um, uh, what else did we have? We had the AWACS, ED3 Sentry, the Sentinel, um, the Red Arrows there right at the back. We had the Dakota, the Spitfire, Hurricane, um, let's the AWACS, uh, three Typhoons, three Tornadoes. Um, and one or two others. There wasn't that many on the um, flight. It was one of, it was still a good fly uh, fly past as usual, um, but it was uh, a little bit smaller than normal um, due to the uh, retirement of two out of those aircraft, the TriStar and the VC10. So that that being a sh- uh, such a shame. So we really enjoyed seeing them last year. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd have liked to seen the TriStar <laughs> for definite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously we had the BBMF uh, Lancaster Hurricane Spitfire in that as well. So um, it was. Uh, was uh, um, really good um, to see the uh, uh, 
all leaking up. The weather was a bit, um, uh, I think the weather was a bit overcast and a bit stormy that day because I've got a picture of uh, one of the Circus Red, I think Red 4's aircraft. He's sitting in the, uh, obviously, uh, um, the Circus uh, engineer sits in the uh, rear of the uh, Hawk and um, <clears throat> it's actually uh, taking a picture of the Thames and the Millennium Wheelers. Um, British Airways uh, eye wheelers there and uh, they were heading down towards uh, Buckingham Palace and it's such a great shot even with the overcast skies um, so uh, that was a really inter uh, interesting uh, photo to see so um, another piece of news I've got is um, uh, that the uh, <clears throat> last surviving um, Sabre F-86 Sabre is now going to be sold uh, to the US, uh, which is such a shame because I used to love this aircraft on the air show circuit. Um, um, so it is uh, the old flying company at Duxford uh, where it's been based. Um, so it's going to be such a shame to see this go. And I will give you more information uh, when I have it um, about this aircraft um, sort of disappearing uh, from the skies in uh, the UK. <coughs> <clears throat> because it, although it's a noisy aircraft, <clears throat> excuse me. You have to take a drink here, Simon. Yeah, <laughs> It's all the podcast snacks are drying your throat, eh? It is, yeah, um, it's going to be so sad to see this go because I um, used to love this. Um, and there you can see it at Duxford is one of the pictures on there being towed by a tractor. Um, now, the, yes, it's uh, 480242, um, uh, which is based at Duxford. Um, but it's such a shame that it's uh, now been sold. Um, uh, let's hopefully uh, they will keep but, it. For, but to live on for, for many yes, years to come, I expect. Yes, let's hope it keeps uh, flying and uh, um, hopefully may see it pop up somewhere along the lines in the next uh, few years. So, yeah. Right, that's um, that's all my uh, news for the this podcast. Um, so we're going to play you then uh, the bits that we recorded at uh, the Biggin Hill Festival of Flight this weekend. And uh, we're going to play you our first um, uh, pod or showcast, uh, and we're going to play that one for you now. Okay, join us back then at the Biggin Hill Festival of Flight. We, uh, me and Simon are here on the flight line, just standing opposite uh, where the Red Arrow display team are parked. And uh, at the moment, uh, the uh, Blades display team are currently in the air, uh, flying circuits and doing an absolutely fantastic display in front of uh, quite a big crowd actually today. Um, the 15,000 tickets for the air show I think have uh, completely sold out for today so uh, Simon what have you got to look forward to uh, later on in the uh, display um, well what, first of all I'm going to give you a little uh, listen in on the uh, blades as uh, they uh, do the display here you can hear them coming past yeah, the blades have just made a pass Go. you can probably hear on on the radio, we've got display frequency. The weather has uh, got a little bit brighter now. Um, we've still got quite a um, massive cloud. We have getting some uh, breaks in the sky now, and the sun is poking its through, uh, through the clouds. So hopefully uh, we should get a good display uh, for the Reds this afternoon. Um, they're making a, a return again. How they come again? Letting it out. Rolling. Out. Pulling up. And four. Smoke on. Go. 
Right, so uh, we'll give you a, a rundown of the other aircraft that are um, displaying uh, this afternoon. We've got um, quite a good selection uh, um, on this afternoon. We've got uh, the uh, Red Arrows uh, flying at uh, 6 p.m., um, the Solo Spitfire MH434, the RAF Takano. Uh, we were speaking to him earlier, on, uh, he'll be on the uh, podcast. B17, Sally B. The Trig Aerobatic team, they'll be on there later. We've got the Meet the Pilots, uh, which is at 5 o'clock in the arena. Um, we have got so many uh, good aircraft. We've got the uh, Black Cat Lynx, the Royal Navy Parachute team, which they've uh, dropped earlier. Um, so there's been uh, quite a lot of uh, great aircraft. The Breitling Wingwalkers, the Glider, the Matadors, um, the Swordfish, the Sea Fury. Um, it's just such a great selection uh, of aircraft here. The Spitfires, the Dakota, obviously, as we said, um, with the some models of those flying as well. Um, and uh, it's just uh, such a good uh, to have uh, Biggin Hill back on the display circuit. We try to find out whether this is going to be an ongoing thing, uh, but at the moment it looks as though this could be uh, just a one-off, but we will keep you updated with that. Um, so uh, yeah, we're enjoying the uh, Blades display team with uh, Squadron Leader Andy Offer uh, in the uh, um, Squadron uh, Number One. Uh, so he is actually uh, controlling the, the other four aircraft and uh, doing all the speaking on the uh, frequency that you can listen to. Um, and they're in the Extra XS 300, uh, which is a perfect uh, display aircraft. So it's worth uh, looking at them, uh, and you'll see uh, lots of pictures on our website uh, once it's all uh, done. Okay. Yep, and as we're talking, the sun has come out and the skies have cleared. Uh, we did have some quite good showers earlier on uh, this afternoon, but uh, the sun has come out, Simon. It's uh, a bit brighter now than it was uh, yes. earlier on this afternoon. Yeah, There's some caught in that, uh, big rain shower. <laughs> <laughs> Made a mad dash back to uh, to the mini earlier to get the uh, umbrella. Yeah. Uh, but the sun is out now, Simon. Yes, it's uh, very good and uh, it's warming up nicely and uh, it's been... Uh, uh, a really interesting uh, display and uh, it's good uh, it's a little bit different uh, than uh, normal displays uh, because uh, it is um, a fully operational um, private airport as well and uh, for civil aircraft to fly in and we get a lot of uh, Lear jets and other private jets uh, flying in and out um, which I say is open to the public as well as private um, aircraft so yeah, it's nice to be back at Biggin Hill, as always, and um, we're standing behind the Reds, as um, Carlos already said, and they're all shining here in the sunshine. Um, there's a few uh, lovely uh, aircraft uh, behind the Red Arrows, uh, which we'll take some pictures, and a few helicopters, and this, just noticing the Sally B is um, now starting up, um, getting ready to taxi and display. We've got the Tucanos, um, they're parked up over there as well. We've got several... Um, uh, aircraft here as well. We've got what have we got? We've got the um, Spitfire, we've got um, a Hurricane, and um, one or two other sort of private aircraft and military aircraft. Another Spitfire down there, and I think it's an, uh, the uh, BBMF Dakota is there as well. Uh, the Reds have uh, all been topped up with their new uh, die, and they're all uh, raring to go for their display later on this evening. So um, we're really looking forward to, uh, to the display from the uh, Red Arrows again. So. Yeah, let's hope the weather holds out for the display team later on for the Red Arrows. That'd be nice to uh, for them to be flying in the sun uh, for a change rather than the cloud, which we have had some low cloud today. But uh, no, it's been a really good day, really good uh, start to the day. Uh, we got here nice and early, uh, got prime positions. Um, we've also had some good interviews as well, which will uh, which you've probably heard already on the show. We had some great interviews there, and uh, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna 
sign off for now, but uh, come back on later. Uh, I expect for another showcast. As you can probably hear, the wind is starting to catch up here as well, so uh, the wind is uh, fairly breezy. So from uh, me and Simon, we're going to say uh, goodbye for now. Yeah, take care. We'll speak to you later. Bye. We thoroughly enjoyed it, didn't we, Simon? That was a, that was a good first, uh, good first thing. That, that was good to hear the aircraft and the display uh, talk as well, chatter on the uh, scanners while they were. Uh, oh yeah, that was uh, lovely and clear. I'm uh, quite impressed with that. So um, stay tuned because we're going to give you uh, plenty more uh, yeah. chit chat on the so old podcast. The next one uh, we've got coming out for you is an interview we done with the Gazelle and uh, display team. And that was their, their PR, Sam Jones. So we're going to play that one for you now. You joined me for the uh, Big and Hill Air Show here, and uh, I'm standing next to uh, Gazelle, Royal Air Force Gazelle, and I'm standing next to... Sam Jones, who's PR and marketing for the Gazelle Squadron. Oh, excellent. So, Sam, what's your uh, position in the uh, Gazelle group as such? What do you? Uh, what's your job entail? Speaking to you, really, <laughs> dealing with media, talking to TV companies, uh, the commentators at the air shows, and then hopefully next year when we will be displaying, then I shall be working with one of another commentator that happens to be here today, um, doing a joint commentary for the display season. Excellent. So have you uh, actually, have you flown in a gazelle yourself? or? Yeah, we flew in this morning. So yeah, we, we tend to fly in most of the air shows this year. All depends on funds, obviously. Um, but yeah, we'll be hoping to land at the majority. We've got Dawlish, we've got Cywell coming up as well, and we may be at Western next weekend. So. Oh, cool. Are there any other air shows, sort of the bit, other bigger air shows like uh, Riyadh or Farnborough you're going to this year at all? Or haven't confirmed as yet, but there may be a possibility, so keep an eye out in the skies for us. Oh, definitely, definitely will. We'll keep it on the website as well. Um, so today yourself, you're not displaying uh, the aircraft here today, just a static display of the gazelles. Um, are you training to be a pilot or would you like to? Or? I am indeed, yes. I'm going to go to Florida in America next year and I'll be doing my PPL through there. But Mark, who is the squadron leader, he's actually opening a school uh, where we are, uh, which is just outside of Middle Wallop in Andover. So if any of you out there do want to learn to fly one of the gazelles, then we are opening the school later on this year. Oh, that sounds great. Fancy that, Simon? I learned to fly. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> I'm more. Of, I'm a, I must admit, I'm more of a fixed wing person myself. Um, Learn to fly, but uh, um, I'm guessing the helicopters. Would you say they're easier to fly than fixed wing yourself? It's difficult. It's a bit like going from driving a car to driving a motorbike. It's two completely different concepts, I suppose. So if you've got fixed wing, then obviously a lot of the concepts going from fixed wing to rotary are similar. But then you've got to take into consideration your foot pedals when dealing with rotary as well so you, you can go either or or do both excellent so uh, you're flying out uh, today for after the show flying back to where, where, whereabouts the aircraft base it's in andover so yeah we'll be flying out of here later on this afternoon and then landing back there and then like i said hopefully we'll be at western next weekend Oh, that's excellent. Is there a website at all that uh, listeners can go to to sort of find out more about you guys? There is indeed. It's www.thegazellesquadron.co.uk. So please have a look on there or just Google us and you'll find us. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Excellent. So listeners can find out some more information on there. Well, thanks for your time. It's been great to speak to you and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you very much and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Yeah, that was an awesome uh, time we had there uh, speaking to Sam Jones. We're, not, uh, we're very privileged to get a, a chat with her. Yes. And uh, lovely lady. Yes, beautiful. Stunning. And uh, if you're listening, Sam, uh, we wish you all the luck, best of, uh, best wishes as well with your uh, flight training as well. Yes, and hope like... to see you uh, perhaps in the future. Um, flying Doing displays, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So our next interview we got at the show, uh, we were very lucky to get because uh, he was a very busy chap. Uh, was with uh, Dave Kirby from the Takano uh, display team. And uh, we're going to play that one for you right now. Okay, so you join us back then for a, another pod, uh, pod showcast uh, from the uh, Biggin Hill Air Festival. Uh, I'm here with Dave Kirby. He's uh, from the Takano display team. And uh, we've got a quick Q&A session with him. We've managed to uh, drag him away from the crowds of people, as uh, a lot of people are here today, even though the weather is quite... Uh, uh, I'm sort of like it's changeable. Um, so, hello, Dave. Welcome to the uh, Plain Talking UK podcast. Hello. Uh, so, David, uh, the uh, short staccano, uh, what uh, what's she like to fly? Oh, it's a lovely aeroplane to fly. It's a very similar size and power to the Spitfire. So, uh, it's it's quite quite manoeuvrable, quite agile, um, and it's used by the Royal Air Force as our basic fast jet trainer. So, it takes we take our students from uh, the Tutor aircraft, which is a standard sort of light aircraft, and we fly them in the Takano, uh, get them ready to go to the Hawk, where they'll go on, uh, and then go to their frontline jets. So, uh, so the Takano is it's a lovely aircraft. It does 250 to 300 miles an hour, um, and I say it handles very in a very similar manner to the uh, to the Spitfire from World War II. Wow, that must be an absolute treat for you to fly the aircraft in itself, being that sort of ha- so close to handling like the Spitfire. It's it's, uh, it's a lovely aeroplane to fly. It's very uh, very simple. The cockpit um, layout is uh, it's a bit more modern than, than obviously from the Second World War. But uh, the, uh, it's, it's quite a simple cockpit at the moment. We, we don't have all the uh, electronic gadgets that uh, a lot of aircraft have. It's just uh, old-fashioned old fashioned gauges. Um, but the um, aircraft itself flies very well, and it's, it's a great aircraft for us to build, um, build capacity, build piloting skills, and build airmanship for our, for our future fast jet pilots. Excellent. So what's your position in the team itself? Uh, I'm the... 2014 display pilot so uh, last year I was the uh, display manager so I went around uh, did all the, uh, the sort of ground support and did the commentary uh, and then I've moved into the pilot seat this year so I'm going to fly the display so it's an aerobatic display uh, we've got 65 66 displays over the summer this year so it's quite a busy summer it's quite a big commitment to go and do pretty much every weekend uh, but it means I get to go out and see the public and show the aircraft off and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's quite an honour to be chosen as the kind of display pilot. Excellent. So, are you doing uh, Riyadh or Farnborough this year? Uh, we're doing uh, we're doing the air tattoo. Uh, we've not been invited to Farnborough, so we've got a couple of other shows on that weekend. We're pretty much uh, fully booked from uh, from now uh, right the way through till the end of September, almost almost exclusively in the United Kingdom. We've got a couple of overseas shows, uh, one in Malta and another one that we're working on. Uh, but other than that, it's all in the UK. You've just said a magic word there, Dave. Malta is uh, very, very close to my heart. Somewhere I go every year on holiday. I'm actually out there next week. Um, so uh, what are you doing in Malta? <laughs> uh, the Malta Air Show. It's the last weekend in September, uh, and I'm out there for that. So uh, we've been invited out there for the last three or four years in a row now. Um, it's a bit of a trek for us because we're not the fastest aeroplane in the world. Uh, so it takes us a couple of days to get there and a couple of days to get back. But it's a real nice sort of, sort of round the season off to go out there at the end of September. Oh, that's made me. I'm gutted now. I booked the holidays so so soon in the year. I could have been out there for the air. I missed that. Yeah, last year actually the air show. So, uh, but uh, how much time do you spend in Malta when you're out there? Do you do you get time to sort of look around the island or? 
Um, it will only be there for, uh, I think we're going to fly out from the UK on the uh, Wednesday and the Thursday. We'll then have Friday off in Malta, so we'll get, we'll get a day off to look around. And the air show itself is Saturday, Sunday, and then we'll start wending our way home Monday, get home Tuesday. So what sort of typical range of the aircraft then for flying sort of that sort of distance? Can, do you have to stop many, on the, on the, you know, many places on the way there? Or? Uh, yeah, t- typically to get to as far as Malta, which is obviously the other end of Italy, uh, it's two or three f- refuelling stops. Uh, we've the uh, the aircraft's got um, 550 kilos of fuel is, is fully laden, and we burn about 200 kilos an hour, um, and we normally have to land with about 100 to 150. So we've got kind of we can do two-hour hops, and we can do 300 miles an hour. So we can do kind of 600-mile hops. Um, so it's a case of uh, working out where the uh, where the intermediate stops are, but going down there we've got France we've got uh, well, bottom end of the United Kingdom France Italy so we're quite well placed for places to stop so on, on long trips like that you're obviously flying as a group together um, is there sort of chatter between yourselves in the, in the co- on the flight down the cockpit or do you uh, sort of just sit back relax and enjoy the view I uh, know there's normally quite a lot of banter we normally fly um, normally when I'm doing the display I'm solo so I'm on my own but uh, when we do the transits, we quite often fly um, with two, two pilots in the aeroplane. So we'll share the flying between us. We've got dual control, so either of us can fly the aircraft. And, yeah, a bit of banter going on between us probably as we're going along. Oh, excellent. Enjoying the views as well. I'm very jealous, I must say, Dave. So uh, your background then, when, when was it sort of was it an early thing in age you sort of learned to fly? Or uh, I started off in the Royal Air Force as a navigator. I, uh, so I joined the Air Force in 1990. Uh, I did uh, navigator training, and then I went on to the Tornado GR1. I did a tour in Germany and a tour in Scotland. Um, at the end of that, I uh, was lucky enough to get uh, re-rolled to pilot. So I went to Linton on Ouse, flew the Takano. Uh, was the first aircraft I flew as a pilot. So I got a, a real soft touch, for, soft spot for the uh, Takano because it was the aircraft I first went solo in. Uh, but went solo in the Takano, did, did the Takano course, uh, went and did some flying on the Hawk, uh, but decided I didn't really want to go back to the fast jets. So I wanted to go multi-engine. So I went to uh, 45 Squadron, flew the jet stream, and then I did eight years uh, as a C-130 pilot. Um, did all sorts of stuff on the C-130, uh, including air shows. I did the, uh, the RF Falcons for a couple of seasons, and I did the RF Roll Demo. Um, and then at the end of that, I, uh, so five years ago, I came, I got posted to Linton on Ouse, uh, and I'm now I've been, been uh, a qualified flying instructor on the Sakano for four years, and I'm lucky enough to be the display pilot this year. Wow, lucky! You've had quite a range of aircraft you've flown over the years. Do you uh, do you fly any GA aircraft yourself? Any sort of uh, light aircraft, sort of for, just for sort of fun? Or um, to be honest, uh, I don't have the time. Um, I, and uh, I think uh, what if I were in a uh, non-flying tour? So if I was in a ground tour or something, I may well do that. I've got my uh, private pilot's license and air transport pilot license, so uh, I can go and fly civil aeroplanes. But there's two big things really. The cost is is quite prohibitive. Um, on a, on a lowly flight lieutenant salary, um, but also I get plenty of flying in my uh, in my day job, so I don't feel the need to go out and do it um, on uh, as, at the weekends. Um, now I'm not ruling that out. In the future, I may well go and do a bit more GA flying, and uh, one of the things I'm looking at is perhaps going out and instructing on the c- civilian side. Um, but at the moment, I'm pretty busy doing what, what I'm doing. Oh, excellent. Um, uh, we covered in uh, just recently on our show the, the sort of demise and the, the scrapping now of the, the L-1011 TriStar, the RAF TriStar. Is that an aircraft you ever flew on at all or, or flew in? Uh, I flew down the back as a passenger a few times, but I uh, never actually uh, took the controls of a, of a TriStar. Um, but clearly, the, the replacement is, uh, is, is a leap ahead and um, should take us uh, into, the, into the middle of the next century with no problems. But it is a shame to see the old girls, the VC-10 and the TriStar, going. 
Yeah, definitely for me, the, the TriStar, as Simon will, yes. will, is smiling there, uh, is one of my absolute favourite aircraft as, fly, as flying on as a child and that. And uh, I must say, the pictures I saw on uh, Facebook of the guys who are dismantling the uh, TriStars um, 702 was dismantled last week. Um, kind of brought a tear to my eye. It was, uh, it was not, not nice to see at all. But uh, um, so, I, oh, yeah, that's definitely... Uh, a sad you, uh, thing. Tell us a little bit about the uh, paint scheme we've got. You've uh, got as we were speaking about before we went on air. Yeah, sure. This uh, this year we've we've got a bit of a tradition on the Takano of painting the aircraft in a different paint scheme each year. So uh, the last four years we've had an all-over paint scheme, um, various different liveries. But this year we were given a bit of a tighter brief. It had to stay black. Um, and as it's the hundredth anniversary since World War One, uh, we thought it'd be poignant to put a uh, poppy on there. So we got the permission of the Royal British Legion. Uh, and we've got a large poppy on the on the underside of the aircraft and the words lest we forget and then we've got a cloud of poppies on either side of the nose um, as though the aircraft's flown through some poppies um, we, we got that uh, designed and approved over the winter and got this got the scheme applied um, and uh, it's going down really well so uh, it's it's, a, it's a quite a nice uh, nice thing to uh, to have the, the poppy on the aircraft and to have a nod to the past excellent so what's the future hold then for the Takano display team uh, well, the, the Takano itself um, is uh, should have been retired already from the Royal Air Force. The, the re- replacement basic trainer um, is uh, on the way, and uh, so the Takano will go out of service in the next five or six years. We're at the, at the moment there's a process going on where we're trying to extend the Takano out until about 2019. Um, however, whether we'll be able to support a uh, an aerobatic display all the way out to 2019 is debatable because as the fleet diminishes in, in size and as we get towards the end of the aircraft's life fatigue starts to become an issue and, and the, 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 the display isn't that fatiguing on the aeroplane but it, it, it is a one of the uh, sources of fatigue and we, if we're trying to minimise that then we may have to unfortunately not display the aircraft uh, to the public so uh, certainly we're secure for 2014 we're, we're looking very carefully at 2015 and we're hoping that we'll be able to display the aircraft in 2015 maybe 2016 but at some point, the will, we will reach the point where uh, there's, it's either not sustainable because there aren't enough aeroplanes or, or we're putting too much stress on the aeroplanes that we've got. OK. What, do you know at all what the re- replacement might be for the Takano, for a display aircraft at all? Well, uh, the, the Takano replacement is the uh, T6 uh, Texan, um, which um, will be brought into service under what we call a MFTS, Military Flying Training System, and it's a contract. Um, and unfortunately I think we're going to end up in the same situation as we are with the Hawk T2 where we get a brand new aeroplane and we'd love to see it at air shows but it's not in the contract to bring it to air shows so it may not come so uh, certainly looking at the numbers that they're looking to buy uh, and the, the amount of tasking that the aircraft's going to have I think we may see it at air shows in the future but it may be that, that the, uh, the bean counters will say no you can't take it to air shows because that's not in the contract you didn't pay for that oh great so before we finish then uh, the, the display you're doing today uh, is that a special display you're going to fly or? Um, uh, today I, I've got three displays I can choose from I, I'm, uh, my public display authority gives me either a full display a, a rolling display or a flat display uh, normally that's con- dictated by the weather so if I've got a 3000 foot or better cloud base I can fly my full show which will be fully aerobatic so uh, loops um, stall turns barrel rolls etc um, however, there's two problems at Biggin Hill. One is the airspace, because we're so close to London. Uh, the controlled airspace for London starts uh, not only only 1,900 feet above aerodrome level. So if 
they don't if I don't get given that airspace then I'm going to be restricted to a rolling show also looking out from the tent here there's a little bit of cloud rolling through and I don't know what the base of that is at the moment again if the cloud is below 3,000 feet above the airfield so three and a half thousand AGL uh, that's going to limit me as well so uh, I'm hoping I'll get a full show in that I've spoken to air traffic control and they're going to try and get me the airspace I'm on just before the red arrows and they've got their own restricted airspace as well so with a bit of luck London will give give us an extra 10 minutes and give me the full, full airspace as well but realistically either the cloud base or potentially the airspace might mean that I'm doing a rolling show which isn't quite as good it's not quite as dynamic still still turn the aircraft upside down I still do some maneuvers but it's not quite as good as the full show uh, it's not as, it's not as much fun to fly and I don't think it looks as good from the ground but it still shows the aircraft off pretty well excellent well, thanks very much, Dave, for uh, coming on the Plane Talking UK podcast. Um, it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the show. Uh, you're the first Takano pilot we've had on the show, so <laughs> give yourself a huge pat on the back. Yeah. Do you have um, a website? Yeah. Have you got a website we can uh, tell our listeners to? We, they can go and find out some more information on you. Yeah, absolutely. If you just put in uh, RAF Takano display into Google, uh, that will take a link to our webpage. Um, and we've also got, we're on Facebook and Twitter as well, so you can follow us there. Excellent. Well, Dave Kirby, thank you very much for your time. That's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I hope you enjoy uh, your display as much as we will. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was great when it's Simon. Uh, awesome chance to speak to uh, to him <coughs> at the show. Yes. Uh, we sat inside the tent, didn't we? Yes. The, uh, um, nice he uh, welcomed us into his uh, lovely uh, marquee uh, to kind of display team. We will uh, see the Takana display team for the next few years. Um, um, when we were talking to him on the interview. So we've got a few more years left, uh, but it is coming towards the end of its life, and they will be replacing it with another more updated uh, version. Um, but uh, um, we will uh, um, enjoy it for the next few years uh, while it's still around. Definitely, yeah. So thanks again, Dave Kirby, for that. <coughs> that was uh, brilliant to have you on the show. So the last one that we've got to play for you is uh, from when the Red Arrow's done their display. Yes. And uh, Simon loves this uh, particular piece here. And uh, we're going to play that one for you right now. Okay, so you join us back at Biggin Hill Festival of Flight there and the Red Arrows are now on for their, uh, for their display. This is the end of uh, the air show today. Probably hear the uh, display coordinator on the uh, tannoy behind. Just... Uh, Red's just coming back, a past, uh, fly past here. Absolutely fantastic display from the Red Arrows, as always. Uh, even though the uh, clay base is quite low, they're still doing a full display. And... Uh, Simon's uh, just behind me here. He's on the uh, on his on his on his phone to his uh, daughter Holly, who's uh, here. wishes she was here but couldn't be here. So the team are now lining up again for another pass. A bit windy here, no? yeah. Slight wind. Excuse the camera noises, just trying to get some shots while we're uh, recording. Absolutely fantastic. You enjoying this, Simon? Yes, uh, great to see them again. Um, 
absolutely fabulous 50 uh, years um, so it's quite um, exciting uh, to have them back here as we said earlier um, the cloud base is a bit uh, low we could have done a, done a rolling display at the moment which is good it's not a flat one so um, it could have been a full but obviously the cloud cover and the airports um, with Heathrow and Gatwick nearby uh, we've had to keep uh, airspace um, to a minimum so but it's uh, a good display as always and I'm uh, just uh, sitting here uh, watching them uh, at the end of the day and we've got one more thing on and then that's it so but we're going to carry on and uh, enjoy the show Yep, we're going to uh, carry and enjoy the display from the Red Arrows they've uh, got a few more minutes left of their display here at uh, the Biggin Hill Festival of Flight 2014 uh, so we're going to uh, just watch the uh, Red Arrows fly past uh, in their diamond uh, formation again fly past the uh, crowds and they're coming up now Wow, what an awesome sight. Okay, so we're going to leave uh, leave us uh, part of the uh, show now. We're going to uh, hang up the microphones and enjoy the last part of the display from the Red Arrows. So uh, from me, Carlos, uh, we'll uh, let you get back uh, to the show. Yeah, take care, and uh, we'll uh, speak to you soon. Oh. So that was really good, wasn't it, Simon? Absolutely enjoyed that uh, display. Yes. It was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. And even though it was slightly overcast, uh, you know, the colours and everything really stood out quite well, didn't they? The, uh, the reds and the blues from the aircraft. And yes. uh, to see the Spitfire was, was really good as yeah, well. Yeah, and uh, being Ray Hannes, uh, as we said. Um, yeah, so if you look on my page, you'll see a lovely picture of me and my profile <laughs> picture of standing, uh, taken by Carlos, me standing uh, behind the reds. Um, Oh, and actually in front of the Reds with the yeah. Reds behind me. So, uh, yeah, so uh, that was a really enjoyable day. Um, uh, so good to get so close to the Red Arrows, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant sight to see. We look forward to seeing them again at Riyadh as well, don't we, Simon? Yes. Yeah. Um, hopefully uh, um, at the uh, other up-and-coming air shows. I may go to the Goodwood Festival of Flight um, the next, uh, next weekend. Um, yeah. I haven't had a chance today to put any uh, extra air show information because there's just so much going on uh, in the air show circuit at the moment mm. uh, we're trying to fit in as much as possible but we're we're limited to the time we can put on the podcast um so we're not going to bore you uh, too much um but but if- we have had an email from pilot pip yes uh pilot pip has sent us uh, a segment uh, for the show his uh plane safety from the flight deck uh, segment and uh, we've got that to play for you and uh, hope you if you're listening pip i hope you had a good holiday with the family and uh pip's just released his fourth um installment of his show the plane safety podcast so if you go to itunes and uh, look for the plane safety podcast uh, with pilot pip you'll find him on itunes and uh, you can download his latest episode there so we're going to play uh, Pip's segment of the show for you now. And now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the S in safe. It's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with Captain Pip. Hi everyone, it's Pilot Pip here with another safety from the flight deck segment. And this week I'm going to start the first of a three-part series which I'm calling How Not to Bump Into Stuff. And what stuff is there to bump into? Well, obviously, there's other aeroplanes. The skies around Europe and over the big cities are particularly congested these days, and there's always a risk of mid-air collisions bumping into other aeroplanes. 
But those are not the only things. The ground, of course, has mountains and it has high buildings. And there's always a potential for collision into the terrain. And then there's weather. It's quite detrimental to fly through a thunderstorm and that should be avoided at all costs. So that's something else we can bump into. Now, the very best bit of equipment we have to avoid collisions is, of course, the human Mark I eyeball, i.e. looking out the window. And it's always important in whatever aeroplane you're flying in a, in a small Cessna or a commercial airliner to keep a good and adequate lookout. And that should never be forgotten. But that's not what I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about the, the technology, some of the systems that we have on board to help us avoid aeroplanes and the ground and weather. And in this first segment, we're going to be looking at traffic avoidance. That's avoiding other aeroplanes, deconfliction from other aeroplanes. And the system that we use, and it's been around for quite a while, is called Traffic Collision Avoidance System, or TCAS for short. Now, ground radar and air traffic services do a very good job of keeping aeroplanes separated adequately. But it is vulnerable. And during the 50s, 60s and 70s and even into the 80s, there were a number of very high-profile mid-air collisions in which a lot of people unfortunately lost their lives. So although radar and air traffic services are a very good and very safe system, it's not 100% foolproof. So we need something else. We need a completely independent system. And TCAS is that system. And all modern transport category aeroplanes are equipped with TCAS. TCAS 2, in fact, the later development of the system. Any aircraft over 5,700 kilograms or carrying more than 19 passengers is required by law to carry TCAS. But also, these days, many smaller light aircraft carry TCAS or something very similar. Even gliders have their own TCAS system, which they call FLAM. At the heart of the TCAS system is the aircraft transponder. Now the transponder, as you'll probably be aware following the Malaysian disappearance, a bit of kit that sends out a, a radio signal and is picked up by ground radar, secondary radar, and this is fed, this is the basis of air traffic control. But as well as being picked up by ground-based radar, it's also picked up by other aircraft TCAS systems with transponders. And each time a transponder receives an interrogation signal from another transponder, it sends out a reply. So in fact, all the aircraft, their transponders are all constantly talking to each other and they send these signals out several times a second. So with this information, the TCAS system is able to build up a three-dimensional picture of all the other TCAS-equipped aircraft around it within a certain radius. And it's able to collate all this information and calculate things like closure rates and rates of descent of other aircraft. And it puts all this together and it's able to see if there are any potential conflicts, if any aircraft are potentially in a place where they might collide with it. Now, it doesn't keep all this information to itself. It shares it with the pilot. And the display that we have in the cockpit, well, it can be one of several things. In the older, original TCAS systems, it had its own independent display, a small display. But these days, they tend to be integrated with other displays, with the main uh, navigational screens in the cockpit or perhaps with the uh, vertical speed indicators. So typically what we see, and what I see in my aircraft, is on the navigational display, we have overlaid symbols, typically little uh, diamond shapes, little blue diamond shapes, that represents all the other aeroplanes in the vicinity. And what happens if the TCAS does recognise that there's another aircraft out there that's a potential conflict? Then it issues an alert. The first thing you'll see that that little blue diamond shape may turn into a, a solid blue shape. And this is just a little clue that there's another aircraft that's passing quite close. But little when it turns solid blue, that's, uh, no, that's nothing to worry about. 
If the TCAS recognises that there is a potential threat, then it will start to issue an alert, and the little blue solid shape will now turn to yellow, yellow for warning. So this may be because the other aircraft is beginning to climb or descend into the path of your aeroplane. And it will issue what's called a traffic alert, and that sounds like this. Now, at this stage, with just a traffic alert, the pilot doesn't need to take any avoiding action just yet. But it is a clue that something's up. So the proper course of action would be for the pilot flying to monitor the TCAS display and for the pilot not flying, the other guy, to look out the window and try and acquire the aircraft visually. Now, he can be helped by this by the pilot flying who's looking at the TCAS display, giving him a rough idea of where to look. So, say, for instance, he might say, traffic, 2 o'clock low. Now, hopefully the alert has been issued because the other aircraft perhaps is actually levelling off above or below the aircraft, but its rate of climb is quite high, and it's been high enough to trigger the traffic alert. Now, there's a, a standard procedure amongst all airlines that when climbing or descending, that final thousand feet of the descent or climb, you should reduce the rate of descent right down to certainly less than 1500 feet a minute typically a thousand feet a minute you should reduce the rate of climb or descent just for that reason so that it doesn't trigger a traffic alert in an aircraft at a level close by in fact most traffic alerts particularly in busy airspace like london most traffic alerts will be caused because the aircraft's rate of climb or descent is just a little bit too high and it's just triggered that warning however if that's not the case and the aircraft is in fact climbing through or descending through your level, then the TCAS will continue to monitor that, and if it perceives that there is a real danger now of a collision, it will issue what's called a resolution alert, or TCAS RA. Now that solid yellow symbol will now turn to a red symbol. That's a real indication that something's up. Now a TCAS RA, there can be several different sorts. It might instruct you to climb, or descend, or continue your current rate of climb. There's a number of different things that can happen, but all TCAS RAs, at present at least, with the modern TCAS 2 system, are only in vertical planes, so it either tells you to climb or descend. It won't tell you to turn left or right. The technology, as yet, doesn't exist for the system to do that. But this is what a TCAS RA might sound like. Climb. 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 Now, in that case, TCAS has instructed the pilot to climb. So the immediate action by the pilot should be to disengage the autopilot, take manual control of the aircraft, and smoothly follow the TCAS command, in this case climb. And what he'll see on the vertical speed indicator is a red and a green section, and what he needs to do is to climb into the green section. So for instance, the green section might be showing him he needs to climb at 2,000 feet a minute, and the rest of the display will be red, which means avoid that particular rate of climb or descent. Now the pilot needs to, without question, follow that TCAS command and keep following it until he hears either a clear of conflict, which means that the traffic has passed, or perhaps even something like this. Increase climb. Increase climb. So in this case, as the TCAS system monitors the developing situation, it's seen that the initial instruction it issued is not going to be sufficient to maintain an adequate clearance from that aeroplane, so it's issued another command to increase the climb. Now, hopefully, that would have been enough to avoid a potential collision. And if so, the next thing that the pilot will hear will be this. Clear of conflict. Clear of conflict. That means the traffic, the other aeroplane, has passed safely by. Now, of course, if a TCAS RA has been issued, then the pilot has either climbed or descended away from his cleared level. 
So he needs to let air traffic know what's been going on because might, this might lead to other potential conflicts. So he needs to get on the radio, tell air traffic control that he's had a TCAS RA and that he's now returning to his original cleared level. And usually, in all but the very worst cases, he's only going to have deviated by a few hundred feet, maybe a thousand feet from his cleared level. So it shouldn't be too much of a drama. Of course, you could get into a very complex situation where you have multiple potential collisions. So you might be given a, a TCAS climb very quickly followed by a TCAS descend because you have traffic above and below you. And then it starts to get very complicated. But the overriding rule, the one golden rule here that all pilots should follow is that they must follow the TCAS RA. By not following it, perhaps by looking out the window and saying, yeah, you know what, we can see him, we can avoid him visually. Well, you could really be leading yourself into trouble because that traffic that you've spotted out the window may not be the one that the TCAS is worried about. So it's very important to follow that TCAS without question. Now, as I've mentioned, TCAS alerts are only in the vertical plane. It tells you to go up or it tells you to go down. What would be great if it could issue commands in the horizontal plane, so telling you to turn left or right. But they did play with this for a number of years in the 90s, and they couldn't really make it work. The antennas that the TCAS used, the radio antennas, just weren't accurate enough. So they came out with TCAS 3 and even TCAS 4, but it just wasn't viable enough, so they, they dropped that. So at the moment, we've just got TCAS 2. But what we may see in the future, future developments of this, may incorporate the ADSB transponders and the ADSB system, which you'll all be very familiar with, as this is the system that allows your smartphones, your iPhones, and those cool little apps where you can track aircraft on your phone with Flight Tracker and other apps like that. That uses the ADSB system, which is a, a little radio broadcast by the transponder. And it's completely independent, again, of ground radar. It sends out a little radio transmission, which can be picked up by your phones. And it's very accurate. It's certainly the future of air traffic control. And TCAS systems may well be able to incorporate that to be able to issue avoiding action in all directions, up, down, left, and right. So that's TCAS. In the next part, we're going to have a look at how not to bump into the ground. And that's with a system we call EGPWS, Ground Proximity Warning System. But for now, take care, fly safe. Pilot Pip signing off. Well, thanks, Pip, for that. Another great segment for the show. And uh, we're very, uh, very appreciative of you uh, for doing the segment because we know that uh, you're a very busy pilot. And uh, we follow Pip on Facebook. And uh, Pip's always... Well, he's here, there, and everywhere, really, isn't he, Simon? He's he's all round round Europe and everywhere, so he's a very, very busy pilot. But don't forget to follow him and uh, also download his podcast. So on Facebook, then, uh, we've had uh, a number of new uh, followers uh, liking us on Facebook. So uh, we want to say hello to David Johnston, uh, Heinrich Camodi. I hope I said that right. Uh, Ter- Terwestern Tower as well. They're following us on Facebook. Uh, Deitmar Gross as well. Uh, Tad Deepel. Uh, Andrea Fanus Lyman. I hope I'm saying <laughs> these right. Jason Bright. Uh, David Thomas. Uh, Kristen Jones. Mickey Scoynes. Alan Hammond. Uh, Paul McIver. Hannah Lake. And also, uh, my father has started following us as well, Phil Stebbings. That's yes. very kind of him. Uh, Neil Angus, uh, Norman McDowell, and uh, Lee Evans, and also Lana Woolerton as well. Walt Orton, I think. Yes, uh, the, the, get it right. Lana Walt Orton. Hello, we've got we've got a cat 
cat on the keyboard, cat on the keyboard. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just uh, recovering, uh, recovering the uh, laptop here. We've just had a cat. Uh, intrusion on the keyboard <laughs> <laughs> yes um we've also got um <clears throat> to western tower uh, i think of uh we said that yeah, we did say that uh, to yeah. western uh, to western tower yeah um which is in the uk and also we forgot to mention as well at uh biggin hill we did meet up uh with a chap uh who's awfully megally interested in aviation yes and so we, uh, and trains as and well. trains as well so we want to say hello to David Harris, uh, thanks for meeting up with us, David, and we look forward to meeting uh, up with you again at um, a few more air shows, and you have just a wealth of information. Uh, you, you've you just overwhelmed us with the, the information that you've got on all the aircraft and your um, actual plane spotting and everything. We, we enjoyed uh, meeting you so much, and uh, as I said, we look forward to seeing you. I think David Harris uh, reminded me of a walking talking encyclopedia yes definitely um, of aviation no matter what you asked him he had the number the registration thing and which we all love um well me and carlos and all aviation people love um he had the numbers the registration marks and uh, what he was doing on each day all written notepads and uh, folders and um he had uh, numerous books with him didn't he, he had a rucksack oh, yeah. and a carrier bag full of books <laughs> and log books which was enjoyable, and we could have spent all afternoon talking about aircraft, um, which we could have done, but we had an air show to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we had a really nice time, and I'm going to um, text him and phone him um, when we next go to the air show. So I'm looking forward to that immensely. Yep, it's nice to meet you, David <coughs> Harris, and uh, hope you're listening to the show. Yes. So our next air show that me and Simon will be going to together will be React, React the Royal International Air Tattoo. We're there for the Friday uh, yes. and Saturday. Yes, uh, we'll be uh, there on Friday, which is Arrivals Day um, for the Reds and Arrivals Day for many of the other aircraft. So I'm quite looking forward to this because I've never been to an Arrivals and Setup Day for an air show, have you? No, I haven't. No, definitely not. And we have also, for the Friday, we have got uh, the, media access as yes, well for the Friday. Yes, so. oh, that's good. Um, but we are in the Red Hours Pit Day. Um, we've got exclusive access to that. Um, uh, there's not many people got tickets for that. So we are actually in the, in the Red Arrows Pit Day special on the Friday. And as I said, we'll have all the aircraft that are arriving. And so what we'll most probably do is some um, podcasts at the show. Um, of the aircraft that are approaching and um, arriving for the uh, air tattoo, and we're there on the Saturday as well. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be um, it's going to be a good show. It's and good hopefully, show. fingers crossed, we can get an interview with um, someone from the Red Arrows at uh, yeah. Riyadh in the um, pit enclosure. Uh, if not, we intend or try. Um, uh, we can't promise, but we're going to try and get an interview with uh, someone from the Red Arrows this season on their fiftieth birthday. Celebration. So, um, but so don't forget if you are at Riyadh, um, look out for me and Simon. Yes, we'll be in our blue t-shirts, Plain Talking UK t-shirts, and if it's cold, uh, we'll be wearing our Plain Talking UK uh, grey fleeces. Yes, um, but we will have plenty of uh, identification on us. Yes, and um, come and say hello to us. Yeah, come and say hello to Ask us. Ask us any questions, and uh, if there's a piece of. Uh, or something you'd like on our podcast, um, please uh, give us some feedback and uh, tell us uh, what, what what we're doing good and what we're doing uh, bad or what we're doing wrong, and uh, um, we'll put it right for you. Yep, and don't forget we're also going to be at Farnborough. 
this yes, year. Yes. And uh, me and Simon uh, are going to be there. We've got full media access for the yes. day for Farnborough. Yes, I'm uh, looking uh, forward to that as well because... Uh, this will be a bit of a different air show for me because um, we've got a lot of um, private and uh, sort of it's a shopper's paradise uh, for aircraft because um, a lot of aircraft, um, sort of commercial aircraft, are up for sale and uh, being displayed there uh, to be uh, purchased. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. So we've just got uh, just one more bit of news to uh, to say then about the Farnborough Air Show. So uh, Simon, take that one away. Yeah, the Farnborough International Air Show, Air Show says 70 aircraft confirmed for static and flying display. Among them, flying participants will be the Textron, uh, Airland, Scorpion, and the Spain, Sp- the Spanish Navy, British Aerospace, Sea Harrier. So we've got a, a Sea Harrier. Sea Harrier at the show, oh, yeah. Oh, brilliant. So let's hope um, that is flying. And uh, Qatar Airways, one of the smaller airlines to really take Farnborough seriously, We'll have no fewer um, than four airliners on display. So that is confirmed. The Airbus A350-900. MSN4. Yes, the A380 and the A320 with the Sharklets and the Boeing 787 Dreamliner. So what a selection of aircraft. Wow, so Qatar are going to have four of their prestigious airliners at Farnborough 2014, which will be absolutely awesome. Yes, And uh, there's going to be just loads and loads of aircraft on static display there. That's uh, 19th and 20th of July this year. So I think that's all the news and bits and pieces and stories we've got for today's show. Yes. um, Uh, We're going to run the uh, in-focus aircraft for this week, um, but we're going to wait for a few more votes to come in on that because uh, we've put that on Facebook. So if you like us on Facebook, if you go to our Facebook page, and you'll see our in-focus aircraft um, for the week. We're going to do that on the next episode. Uh, we're going to get a few more votes in on that, uh, and uh, we'll run that in a segment on the next show. Yep. So from me, Carlos, uh, thanks for listening to the show this week. Don't forget, uh, you can uh, find us uh, at iTunes. If you go on iTunes, you can download the show. Just type in Plain Talking UK on the search box. If you go to our website at www.plaintalkinguk.com, plain spelt P-L-A-N-E, you can go on there and click on the contact tab and you can send us an email via the website. Or you can send us an email to plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com as well. You can send us an email to that uh, address. And uh, please do send us your emails. Send us some feedback. We'd love to hear some feedback. And also, if you're downloading us via iTunes, don't forget to leave us uh, uh, leave us a rating on iTunes because uh, it always helps to uh, promote the show and stuff. So, uh, oh, uh, oh, and don't forget as well, we are on Facebook yes. and Twitter. And we also have a YouTube page as well, which I hopefully this week, if I get a chance before I go on holiday, I'll be uploading some videos that we took at uh, the um, Big and Hill Air Show this weekend onto uh, YouTube, so you can see those. So I fly this Sunday off to Malta for a week, so we're going to get back into the podcast uh, routine as soon as I get back from holiday. Yes. And uh, I'm going to say from me, Carlos, it's a uh, happy holiday air show goodbye. Yes, and it's a... An air show goodbye uh, from me, uh, Simon Walt-Horton, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you uh, and uh, talking about air shows and everything aviation next podcast. Yeah, we certainly do. So take care, and from the studio here, goodbye. Bye-bye.